is John M. Chu, the director of Step Up 3D in the upcoming Justin Bieber 3D movie, and you're listening to Below the Belt Show. Shout out to Baltimore, CN3D. The Below the Belt Show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, guys. It's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt in um, in the house. I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto. Yes, that's right. Your host for the most. Here for your weekly pleasure. But um, tonight's show um, is going to be um, a little bit of a, um, a midsummer finale. Um, just taking a, a few weeks of a hiatus um, on BTB. Um, but that means we're going to go out with an amazing show tonight, guys, you know. <laughs> but everybody needs a break, right? I've been doing this shit since, oh, my God. My gosh, I think the last break I had was Christmas, Christmas break. So it's good to, uh, to take a little bit of break from BTB, recharge the batteries, and we're going to be coming back strong in July. Uh, so uh, with that said, uh, we're still going to bring you an amazing show tonight from top to bottom. So let's go ahead and introduce the amazing panel that we have assembled tonight. Starting with, that's right, he is the king of the 80s, the demotivational speaker, the one and only Chachi McFly. That's, that's some good commentary, too. I said, are you excited for your break? Yeah, you know what? My sisters and my nephew are coming home from Los Angeles. I'm going to spend some time in New York City, um, check out a couple things with the Tribeca Film Festival. Um, probably... Um, Get involved with more film projects. Um, the Silly Goose Kyle Murphy has got a film project that he's doing that I'll be doing some work on as well. Um, so um, I was going. Will it kill you not to talk about it all this time? Kill? Would it kill me not to talk about yeah. all this time? No, it's not gonna. It's not gonna During kill me. During this okay. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I mean, you know, it's much overdue family time. I mean, I haven't seen my sister and my nephew in person. Of course, we do the FaceTime chats all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't seen them in person since um, since January Damn. of 2020. Yeah, and your nephew's yeah. driving now, right? <laughs> <laughs> My nephew will be six years old in August. So. God, it goes fast. Yeah, man. So I'm, you know, they're going to be in town the entire week. So I'm trying to minimize my distractions. Um, I've got New York City coming up for Tribeca, another film project. So I thought this was actually a really good, plus of July 4th weekend. It was actually a good, good time to decide to take the little hiatus from BTB. But nonetheless, okay. not to take anything okay. from tonight's show, because tonight's show is going to be a blockbuster show. 
From top to bottom. From top to bottom. Yes. Of course, in addition to the King of the 80s, Chacha McFly, the demotivational speaker, we also welcome the amazing, the multi-talented Amanda Michaud. Hi. Well, I'm so happy to be back, as always. I think it's Good my fifth time. Good to on BTB. Um, uh, tell us what you've been up to, because I know it's been a minute. I know we had you on um, not too long ago, maybe about a month ago. So, uh, But I know that you actually told me off air that you worked on a really cool project in, of all places, Ocean City, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. So I just did um, a, some body double work out there, and I can't really talk, I guess, specifics about what it was, but okay. um, it was sort of a, a proof of concept trailer for a series that they want to do, or a film. But yeah, they just had me out there on location shooting on the boardwalk, on the beach, on the pier. We got a lot of cool drone shots. It was a really fun oh, nice. little day job. So you're actually uh, portraying the one of the leads in the film project, which I guess she couldn't be um, available. So they're kind of just, you know, working around that by placing you in all the scenes and a lot of overhead shots and stuff like that. Is that but is that kind of what was going on? Yeah, they cool. actually haven't even yet. They 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 know the type. Oh, hold on. This is actually interesting because if they haven't even cast her, did you kind of like? I mean, I know you threw some hints. Come on now. A little bit, yeah, I did. But you know, it's I think that they they're shooting the majority of it, you know, on set in California and you know on a soundstage and everything. And so, yeah, um, yeah, they just didn't want to fly the actress, you know, they didn't want to have to cast her and then fly her out all the way to Ocean City for the location shots. So they just didn't, you know, hired me. But then, you know, it's like this is just a proof of concept. So later on, they're going to shoot the actual project, and you know, maybe I'll weasel my way in there somehow. <laughs> well, they have your information. I'm sure. Was it a not- bikini shoot? Hmm? The bikini shoot? I'm trying to picture oh. it. Oh no, it wasn't okay. <laughs> no, no, actually, it was awesome. It was on the beach. In, yeah, it was on the beach. It was on the boardwalk. Um, they had me in full jeans and a sweatshirt, so it was actually kind of miserable. Oh my god! And it, so was oh, it really was hot? It, can't remember now if it was like a hot day or it was a cold day, but I remember the temperature being a problem. I think I might have been actually really cold. I think the wind was coming in. Okay, yeah. So well, I'm glad. Memorial weekend, you're wearing um, sweatshirts and jeans too, so. It was super cold Memorial Day. Yeah, weekend, yeah, so yeah super freezing um but it was it was actually warm when you went and shot your scene now, now that i'm thinking about it i think it was actually really cold so the sweatshirt and jeans was appropriate i think it was actually appropriate yeah but it was i was still cold even in the sweatshirt so okay. i'm very glad i wasn't in the swimsuit cool how did you get involved with that project uh, backstage actually hmm. mm-hmm. very quick casting i think i noticed it I happened to log on at the perfect time. Um, I submitted it, and like within an hour, he had texted me or oh, called me perfect. or whatever. Asked me, yeah. So it was, you know, very quick and nice little job after pan- you know, so, the whole pandemic not working. It was nice. Yeah, no doubt, no yeah, doubt. The last, the last um, big project in Ocean City was Ping Pong Summer. Ping Pong Summer. That was a great film with Leah Thompson. It had a great. Uh, it was a great coming of age comedy. Um, there's a couple other big names in it as well that uh, are escaping me. Um, was it Susan Sarandon? Is that Su- is it Susan Sarandon? Um, f- great film. That Chacha, I knew you loved that film. I want to call it your... great. <laughs> no, you call it great. Yeah. It, it was fun. It was like a period like, piece at Ocean City. I thought some of the acting was bad, but uh, <laughs> and, it's, and then the story I thought was pretty bad, but it has some great '80s references and great Ocean City yeah. locations that I recognized. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, it was Susan Sarandon played um, one of the leads. Yeah, Ocean City, it was fun, but yeah, I guess ideally that weekend, particularly the Memorial Day weekend, uh, was a little on the chilly side, and uh, 
Um, there was a lot of rain. There was cars seemingly floating in the streets because of all the rain, <laughs> which tends to happen yes. when, when there's some, you know, that amount of rainfall. But uh, you had a good time, Chachi? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, tonight we, we got a great show. So uh, I'd like to introduce. Um, actually, you know what? We, we She's just joining us now. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce. Uh, Connecting from uh, New York City, that's right. <laughs> the lovely and talented, she's Australian hottie, the one and only Jessica Ray Taylor. Hi What's... guys, nice to see you. How's it going? Oh, you got your adult beverage. I wanted to make sure. I have I, uh... my adult beverage. It is red wine with a little ice because it's hot in New York City right now. Guys. Yes. <laughs> of course, I have my uh, Menage a Trois Pinot de Grigio um, wine, which is a very, very good Pinot Grigio. Um, but uh, Jessica, good to have you. Thanks for joining thanks for, us. On uh, Below thanks the Belt for having show. me here. I'm very excited to be here, guys. Yeah, first time on Below the Belt Show. However, Jessica has been a co-host of Click on This Show. Uh, Click on This TV. That's our sister show here. Um, happy to um be a part of click on this show uh as well and uh it's a great series uh produced by the wonderful elena moscat and uh jessica we had some good times um i guess roughly two years ago the tribeca film festival we we did some great coverage yeah uh, we had some uh we had some great times on the red carpet there I know you got a lot of celebrity sightings, a lot of uh, selfie pics and stuff like that. <laughs> I, you know me. I, you know, Ow, I could, there's, I, there's no way. I don't believe it. <laughs> you know yeah, I couldn't Al help gets it. His, he gets his selfies in, for sure. He <laughs> I had to. <laughs> Lily Collins is like one of my all-time favorites. Like, I mean, she's like one of my favorites right now. So, like, I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, you know, chat with her. Zac Efron was in the same film that they were in. Um, Danny Boyle is a director I, I really admire. Um, uh, I got a few. I got a few that week. And I know you got, you got some big interviews then, too. Yeah, I got some interviews uh, with, I think, the producer from DC Noir. Um, George Pelicanos. He's from The Wire on HBO. Yes. Nice. And uh, I think, is it Marin? I always forget her name, and I don't know why. The director from American Psycho. Very nice. Good time. Yeah, I got to do a one-on-one uh, -on -one with her, which was really awesome on the red carpet. That was so much fun. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. There was, I think I saw InSync there as well. InSync, oh, nice. yes. Yeah, those it's guys, they were out. Yeah, What's his name, Bass? Something Bass? Lance Bass. Bass. Yeah, 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 Bass, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so InSync announced. Very, those are really memorable. Of course, uh, Tribeca is happening Uh this week in uh, New York City, I'm actually going to check out a couple things while I'm up there, um, and uh, a couple really cool panels. I think Jessica, you're going to be joining in as well, right? Yeah, I'm super. Oh, I don't know what happened then. Oh. <laughs> there you go. There I go. Um, I was like, I'm back. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see some of the uh, some of the talks that they're going to be having at Tribeca. Um, there's going to be like restaurant talks with you know, about how the bars and the restaurants are coping in New York City right. in regards to everything with COVID and, Correct. you know, just making sure that, you know, now that we're doing this kind of like online world, how are the restaurants and bars, 
you know, doing their marketing and like, how are they reaching out to customers yeah. and how are they reaching out to like those clientele's and making sure that, you know, they get sorted after, after COVID. So I'd be excited yeah. to like hear about those. Yeah. Then. That's one of the panels. We also got one with actress Shira Haas and Alexandra Wentworth. Um, there's another one with uh, director Jason Reitman, who's actually directing the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. Chachi, I know you're excited oh, awesome. about that one. Yeah. The yeah. son of, uh, of Ivan Reitman. Um, and um, some great uh, immersive virtual reality, um, a lot of stuff. And uh, Coleman Domingo's actually, he's going to be hosting that restaurant um, a panel. Um, Coleman uh, Domingo, you might know him from Fear the Walking Dead. I think, Amanda, you watch Fear the Walking Dead, right? He was yeah, also, seen- yeah, he was also uh, in, recently in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Euphoria. He's an incredible actor. Um, we actually got to talk to him at the Split Screens Festival, which is pretty cool. But but this is pretty cool because Tribeca is actually the first major film festival uh, post-pandemic. I guess we're still technically in the pandemic, but um, but in person, that is. It's still a hybrid format, occasional, um, well, still a lot of online um, films, which okay. was the case in 2020. But they're having some really good socially distanced events uh, at some outdoor venues. Um so of course that's Robert De Niro. Um, Robert De Niro's that's his that's his festival, you know. That's uh, his big big festival. Um, I'd say really, as far as U.S., right behind Sundance Film Festival. Of course, we're all about the uh, film festivals here. So I've decided to break out the Sundance Film Festival T-shirt. Um, actually, um, it's a cool thing on Tribeca. They're actually going to be um, teaming up with Chanel of all people. Uh, to partner up for something called Art is New York and New York is Art. So it's an uh, initiative designed to celebrate 20 years of the Tribeca Festival Art Awards. Wow, I didn't know that Chanel was doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, helping beautify the city as it reemerges from the pandemic. Um, and there's going to be all sorts of um, artwork displayed, an outdoor gallery of sorts um, at all the... Lower Manhattan, uh, Tribeca area uh, venues of um, of the Tribeca Film Festival. So um, pretty, pretty cool. Um, and that is, um, yeah, just a good sign of things to come. More of these in person. And I haven't attended an industry in person event since Sundance of 2020. Wow. There hasn't been any. So this will be the crazy. first. This will be the first one. I know mean, I'm a bit on set. That's a little bit different, but to have it like an industry kind of uh, event, so it's kind of a kind of a big deal, kind of cool. I think um, the last time for me was yeah, it was Tribeca 2019. Okay, it's been a while for you. It's been a feels minute. like a very yeah, a very <laughs> very long time. I mean, obviously, you know, we we did Baltimore Next Media Web Festival, but all yes. of that stuff, you know, with Click on this, but all of that stuff was again online. So you exactly. know, and there was definitely like online. Uh, I don't know, we had those panels going on and stuff like that, but there was also, right. you know, other kind of red carpet events that were all being posted online. Um, I know, wasn't the Oscars online last year as well? Uh, yes, yeah. Well, the Oscars was kind of um, more of um, limited to just the nominees this year. It was actually... And it but wasn't then even a lot of the celebrities were at home. There was uh, quite a... Yeah, a bunch at home, but they had a yeah, diverse Yeah, they were like, in their living room, yeah. like, yeah! yeah. The, Golden, <laughs> the Golden Globes was completely online. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the one. That yeah. Was the one. But the, the Oscars, yeah, they they try to do something, uh, you know, with just the nominees uh, in attendance and a much smaller venue venue than like the Dolby Theater, where it usually is. So. Um, yeah, like wasn't it down in the subway or something? What was yeah, it? it was at the Union Station in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> it just like made it like fancy. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they did. They did what? They made the <laughs> Union Station train station. They they pretty much just bouged it up, basically. Are you serious? Yep. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what they did. So um, yeah, kind of crazy, right? <laughs> uh, one big I, I movie. I didn't know though, that. I didn't know they did yeah. that. One big movie that actually is going to have a Tribeca premiere. Uh, actually, tonight's the opening of Tribeca on Wednesday, June 9th, is In the Heights. Um, that's Lin Manuel Miranda's um, Broadway musical that's been which I can't wait to see, and everyone gets to see this on HBO Max. You don't have to go to the theater to watch that. So it's yeah, uh, um, it's kind of a gift because I mean, how long did you know people wait to see Hamilton? You know, on the on the on their screen, you know. But now you can see in the Heights. Yeah, um, but if you don't have HBO, then what are you gonna do? Like, uh, I, you got the movie theater. You got the movie theater. So we'll have <laughs> yeah, a yeah, simultaneous theater release and HBO Max release. I'm, I'm a little torn which way I want to go with this one because I know, like, there's movies that are not on HBO Max that I'm going to have to watch in the theaters, and there's some movies that are going to drop on HBO Max, which I'd rather sit my ass at home and watch it. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't think in the heights. I think I don't know. Maybe that that's maybe that's a movie you can enjoy in the comfort that's of your own home. Experience. Go. No. Go. Go to the theater. The theater, the theater. Yeah. The theater. <laughs> no. I'm. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to spend out. my money. Yeah. Okay. You just sell for the memberships. I pay for, you know, like 20 bucks a month. And you get to see unlimited movies at the theater. It's great. That is a deal. That is a deal. I'm real excited for that movie to come out, so I don't have to see the trailer anymore. <laughs> this, movie, this movie is coming out before the um, pandemic, and I saw it for months before it came out, and then now I've been seeing it ever since. Everywhere. Like a year and a half. So, so just come out you and know? be done with it. I'm tired of seeing the trailer. You can actually see eight minutes. The opening um, musical number is actually already online. Okay um it's you can see it on youtube it's really good it's got that it's got that hamilton vibe to it because it's lin-manuel's you know writing you know his songwriting um with kind of like that rap singing hybrid that he that he's kind of famous for um but it was really good the first you know the first eight, first eight minutes that is um but it does drop on hbo max um i believe on june 10th that that's coming up yeah so you can catch it there I don't think you seem convinced of <laughs> wanting to see that. Josh, what? you're not. You, are you gonna Are you gonna see it? I don't know. You don't seem convinced. Oh, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just, Was tired of the um, trailer. Um. So, so who's yeah. who's who's playing? Um. Who's, who's playing Thomas Jefferson in, in this? There's no Thomas Jefferson <laughs> in this not? one. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I really enjoyed him, so I was hoping okay. he'd come back for this. Come back for the sequel. Well, it stars. Um. Corey Hawkins, Jimmy Smith, Olga, um, Moretis, Leslie Grace, Melissa Barrera, Dasha Polanco. You might remember her from Orange is the New Black. Okay. Um, but the stars of the film, of course, are uh, Ramos and Miranda are the, the stars of the film. So, so um, who's playing um, George Washington? There's no George Washington okay. in this one. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a hell of a sequel then. <laughs> No, it's not a sequel. I no, mean, it's not. you know, it's, it's about Washington Heights. It's about uh, was well, Washington guess, Heights, right? So who's yeah, playing Washington? Well, you know, the area of New York City that's uh, you know, 
Yeah, predominantly Latino area of New York. Yeah, it's like Spanish. It's like the Spanish hood. We love it. Okay. Spanish Harlem. Spanish Harlem almost, right? Yeah. Well, like that's, a, that's a separate area of the Harlem, right? Yeah, you know what? I used to live on 181st and uh, and Broadway right by the, Was- the George Washington Bridge. And yeah, the food is so good up there and the clothes and the shoes and the bags and the makeup. And, you yes. know, there's a little bit of like the black market sales yeah. going on, but... <laughs> You gotta buy the, you gotta buy the stuff. It's like good stuff, you know. So, um, so is that where you get your accent from? Pardon? Is that where you get your accent from? That area? <laughs> no, I live in Harlem actually. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> but originally from Australia, but Australia, I really okay. do I do love it in the Heights. The Heights is yeah, I love it. What part of Australia? Melbourne actually. Okay. Melbourne. Chachi's been Melbourne. Chachi's been lucky enough to uh, visit Australia. Yeah, but not that not that area. You didn't go to oh, Melbourne. Oh no, you though? went to Sydney. Sydney, um, Cairns, um, um, what was it? Um, Perth, and Perth. Uh, nice. and the Gold Coast. Oh, so you went everywhere except the city where I'm from. <laughs> I was trying to avoid it. Yes, like I was trying to. Like... <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> <That's not great. laughs> Jessica Ray. No, Taylor. Melbourne's like. Uh... I don't know, like they say like Melbourne's a little like Chicago or like a smaller kind of like Brooklyn-y yeah. vibe, okay. whereas Sydney's a little bit more upmarket, like very kind of like posh, uh, posh, LA-ish. Very LA-ish. Posh. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah, like um, Gold Coast you're going to do the Miami. comparison, but. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. so in the Heights is going to be a big part of Tribeca. Um, some other big movies coming out. Um, Don Cheadle's got a movie called No Sudden Move something to look out for um uh he plays a gangster set up by his employer and roped into a larger scheme um and uh yeah it's actually directed by steven soderbergh not not to be confused by my jewish alter ego Soderbergh, um but no soderbergh <laughs> <laughs> Um, Chachi, you, uh, you sent me the clip of Zendaya voicing Lola Bunny in Space Jam. They actually just dropped a clip of um, Zendaya's um, you know, uh, voice. Herself, didn't she? So she didn't really like uh, yeah. take any liberties to change her voice for this character. No. A lot of people uh, weren't happy with that for some reason, I guess, in the social media world. It's surprising. It's surprising that people on social media did not like something. I know, I know right? This is a first, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on now, really? Um, I guess maybe people are used to the previous voice artists of Space Jam, and maybe it was such a departure from the the way the the previous character was voiced in the first movie. I don't know. Yeah, see, maybe. I'm, see, I'm like you, where I think that you know, a voice actor should just be a voice actor. It doesn't need to be a famous like um, you know, regular actor. Yeah. You know, like, 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 I don't care who it is. Like, I I don't go see a movie because like. Ben Affleck is voicing a character, you know, it's just like as long as they sound good. I agree with that. I don't know why they always have to attach these A-listers to animated characters. But at the end of the day, you're just watching an animated feature. Uh, Does the voice really matter? I don't know. I mean, I I believe that about projects in general. Like, I, I, you know, I think there's so many, uh, there's so many Mm -hmm. unfound actors that are, you know, on a different level able to, you know, Mm -hmm. get to characters on a screen and yeah. it's a little, you know, I always feel like projects are so shady for just only hiring celebrities because that right. has you know following what? and, you know, he, doing the kosher thing. It's just, yeah, yeah, and, you know, it's, it's 
crazy. You take a magnifying glass to Hollywood. It's like 90% of it is nepotism. Even the people yeah, who wouldn't. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm looking at all the great Disney cartoons and like, I have no idea who those actors are, but it's some of the most iconic voices for a lot of them. Yeah. And it's interestingly enough, I should announce our special guest for tonight because she's from a film that's kind of in that realm of what you're talking about, Jessica, right. the independent film, you know, with the smaller budget, you know, they don't necessarily have A-list names, but they have phenomenal acting. The film was, was fantastic. I mean, it was, uh, it was pure art. That film was pure art, uh, very well written. And um, our guest, Jacqueline Bethany, is the producer, the writer, and the star of this yeah. film, Under the Lantern Lit Sky. And uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Jacqueline a little later in the program, so we're excited to have her on. But uh, again, yeah, the smaller films, like the, in fact, this film is actually going to premiere at the Brooklyn Film Festival. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so pretty exciting. Um, again, really well done. Some some crazy jaw dropping moments in the. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll we'll be talking to um, the one and the only. Um, Jacqueline Bethany about it. Well, before we get to um, Under the Lantern Lit Sky and Jacqueline, let's uh, throw out some more um, movie stuff coming up. Um, the trailer just dropped for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. This is Andrew Garfield at Spider-Man number two and Jessica Chastain. Um, and um, yeah, they really did a great job in the hair and makeup department uh, for this. Cause I checked out the trailer. Um, That's a lot of makeup. It's a lot of makeup. Because Tammy Faye, uh, I guess, was known for infamously like crying and her mascara like dripping, dripping yeah, on her she, face. Yeah, she used a ton of makeup back in the day. Right, right. So I'm sure it's in good hands with Jessica Chastain, phenomenal actress. Andrew Garfield, I mean, he's great too. So should be a pretty good film. Um, can you believe that Fast and Furious Nine is is going to be at the Cannes Film Festival? No. I, I I'm shocked. Why? I'm shocked too a little bit. I'm like, I did not expect it to be there. It's teased as the planetary blockbuster heading to the Cannes Film Festival. And this is in the south of France. This is probably the premier festival next to Sundance, is the Cannes Film Festival, um, which is just blows my mind that they want to add a, a movie like Fast and Furious 9. But um, I can't. Who do they pay off? I know, right? Seriously. <laughs> The, the, the film festival. And then, all... then, like, I don't really think it's fair either because the type of budget that they were working with, the type of celebrity, the type of, you know, I, I it mean. It goes against what Cannes Film Festival is all about. Sure, they have the big names, but it's all more more about just art film. No, well, not to say art films, but just works of art, basically, in the film film world, you know. Um, you know, something that you expect to be nominated in Oscars, you know. That's you, I mean, like, a Fast and Furious 9. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's like what a sad state. You know, it's 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 so reflective of of the state of the film industry when you know the yeah. ninth movie in a series about car crashes is <laughs> playing at this art festival. You know, kind yeah. of crazy. Well, sometimes is... people take a piss in a jar and they call it art. So there might be this kind of like <laughs> equation here, right? Right, right. Hey, those movies are horrible. They're they're just yeah they're just jam packed with special effects. A-list actors and, and subpar writing and just it's just a lot of crashes. Like I, I stopped watching. I'm like when they started jumping through buildings, like the cars were jumping from building to building. Exactly. Like, like okay, I'm out. Have have fun. Right. Yeah. 
crazy. Like, you know, they're not even like superheroes. They're not like Marvel. You know, precisely. Supposed to be real people. Precisely. Yep. Um, so the top of the box office was actually um, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which surprisingly I thought that it wouldn't reach the top due to its release on HBO Max, but it just actually um, took first place from A Quiet Place Part 2 at the okay. box office. Yeah, so that's actually pretty How surprising. How much did it make, does it say? Yeah. Um, 24 million on the debut weekend. Wow. That's pretty good yeah. for having your movie like on HBO Max. Wow. For having wow. a movie on HBO Max yeah. and make 24 million uh, plus number one at the box office is pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Cruella drops number three, um, followed by Spirit Untamed. And can you believe Ryan the Last Dragon? That's like the new girl. That's, That's the, the new Croods. Yeah. It's it is. Still, it is. It's a number five movie. It's still God, man. Top insane insane how that movie just uh it was fantastic um and conjuring is still on my queue i I do have to watch it um anyone seen conjuring part three yeah no okay i'll be watching it on hbo max yeah um but yeah no they say it's loosely based on a true story which is crazy um what the last dragon is not the last dragon (laughs) the conjuring Conjuring. okay yeah um, they they kind of take they exaggerate or embellish um, you know stories, but the, the the investigators are real. They're based on real people, but the stories are kind of embellished for the big screen, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they're actually already talking about a Cruella prequel. Um, sorry, a Cruella sequel. Sequel. Thank you. Cruella okay. sequel because yeah, the Cru- oh my Cruella. God, next next she'll be like a baby walking around like right. they, because keep going Cruella, back. Because <laughs> Cruella is already a prequel yeah. for 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> but uh, they're already in early developments um, with director Craig Gillespie and screenwriter Tony McNamara expected to return. And also, A Quiet Place is also looking at a third film, but John Krasinski will not be directing this one. He's going to hand it over to Mud director Jeff Nichols. Um, so yeah, they're keeping those franchises still um still going. Like, who ever um, thought that Jim from the office would be so busy? I know, right? You know, good for him. Yeah. I mean, hey, if bring back Killian Murphy for the third one, I'll be happy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um big movies in production, of course, the Flash movie is gonna feature Michael Keaton as Batman. You know, yeah, he's the original Batman. So um they actually Threw out an image um, by director Annie Machete, which was Keaton's classic bat suit covered with blood. So it was kind of like the classic yellow logo that Michael Keaton's uh, Batman wore, um, which wasn't present in the newer iterations of Batman, just the original OG Batman, Michael yeah. Keaton. Which was my favorite. I think they're going to end up doing like a like a part three with Michael Keaton. Batman that after, after this. I think it'll get a lot of buzz. What? They had to bring back Tim Burton too. They need to, yes. yes. That's Tim Burton actually was he was um gonna do a part three and then they had a falling out and once Tim Burton left and Michael Keane left and that's when we got um we got um who was it? It was um it wasn't George oh, Clooney it was before um, him. Joel Schumacher. Yeah, but who was the actor um Oh uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, yeah, I see it yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was 
pretty horrible, but not as bad as the... And um, that's the way they can do it, because this upcoming Flash movie is going to explain why there's so many Batmans and so many Jokers and so many... Because that's where DC got really confusing. Um, (laughs) But the Flash movie coming up is all about the storyline called Flashpoint, which is all about the different timelines in the DC universe. So they're going to explain it all in this movie, and that's why we're getting Michael Keaton back as Batman. Even though we have Robert Pattinson, we have Ben Affleck, I mean, we have like hundreds of Batman already, but it's going to be all explained. It's going to be simplified. Uh, I always thought it was a dumb power for the Flash to do all these different like Earths or whatever, because he can run fast. Yeah. Because I mean, he had like the most probably the most boring superpower. Like I can run fast. So like, okay, we got to make him do something else where he runs around the Earth and he changes stuff and like. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's, uh, faster than the speed of uh of of light and and time, time and and space. I guess I don't know. That's crazy. Funny. Yeah. Um, so this is a, what you mentioned earlier about the why do we need these big megastars to voice animated um, features? Well, right. The Rock was cast in DC League of Super Pets. We talked about that <laughs> a while ago. Yeah. And now Kevin Hart's joining the cast. Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, Vanessa Bayer, Natasha, Natasha Leone, Keanu Reeves, and Diego Luna. So That's this is ridiculous. That cast. Yes. This is all. A, this is called the League of Super Pets, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna There's... be a good one. Like, I think I saw the trailer. I think I've seen the trailer, and yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's it's, it's gonna it, be a good it's one. Gonna be a it's gonna be a family-friendly film. Yeah, it's gonna be a nice family-friendly film. So, one one animated film I'm looking forward to is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, um, because that was a phenomenal animated film. Um, Issa Rae. Um, she's actually joining the cast um, as Spider-Woman. Jessica Drew um, is the alter ego. Um, but all the original actors, voice actors, will come back. Haley Steinfeld and um, Shamik Moore as Miles Morales. So that's pretty exciting. I know Amanda will be happy to hear this, that Christina Ricci has joined the cast of Matrix. I love her. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing her at AwesomeCon in DC. Oh, oh, was, yeah. she, was she just announced for AwesomeCon? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the announcement. It was supposed to be, yeah, in 2020, and then um, you know it got canceled. Awesome. And, and I'm actually working. Well, I don't know if I can say it, but um, as a talent handler, so I'm kind of. Oh, hoping. good. Yeah, you did that before. Uh, you rubbed. I'm sure you can say that. <laughs> yeah. Rubbed, rubbed like, elbows with the with the Game of Thrones cast when you did a con, right? Yeah, yeah I worked. About, with, um, oh my gosh, the guy who played Serio Pharrell. On Game yes. of Thrones. Yeah, yes. I got him. Yeah, Nikolai Coster Waldell, um, a few others. Jamie yeah. Lannister, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. You'll be the talent handler. Very cool. Does that mean you get free photo ops? I do, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's the most important part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very I'll cool. have to ask that question because he, he'll get him in. He gets oh, him in. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Yeah, but no, Christina Ricci. I wonder. I'm curious about what she's gonna do. Um, which character she's gonna play? I don't think they alluded to. Yeah, so no details were provided as to what Christina Ricci's role is in the film. But that's kind of a cool addition. Um, Matrix Four should be exciting. And of course, everyone's excited about Indiana Jones Five. Harrison Ford has been spotted on set Good, with a signature hat. He is now 78 years old, but he is 
still an action hero. <laughs> One final adventure as Indiana Jones. I believe this is the fifth and final film. And um, again, we said before, Hopefully. Andy Jones, uh, Harrison Ford's very adamant that no one portrays Indiana Jones. He's like, that should be it. You know, he doesn't want it to see it rebooted or anything. Yeah. Well, well, you know, um, Disney's going to have to do that. They may. They can't, they can't not make a dollar. They, yeah. You know, it'll well, be some other, it'll be some other, like, you know, explore with a different name, but they're definitely going to do something in this Universe. They're gonna have to. Well, if they do that, they're gonna have to call him a completely different name, like Montana Jones or something. You know, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just pick yeah. the random state other than Indiana. But um, I mean, Montana the, Jones. Montana Jones. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that they can make it generational, but no, he's adamant. He does not want anyone portraying the character of Indiana. Jones. I wish they'd do a reboot of Star. Remember Stargate? Stargate, yes. <laughs> so you remember Stargate? Is that is that like a feature of Stargate would be, you know, I mean, yes. That was kind of like the sci-fi fandom that never got the big screen treatment, right? Right. Yeah. But I loved it. I yeah. It is there anything else you can think of, Amanda or Chach, that you, you'd like to see on the big screen that might have been like a television show or uh, or franchise that hasn't been rebooted yet that you think it's okay to reboot? Because, I mean, a lot of people are against the reboots or sequels or whatever, but there's definitely stuff out there we'd like to see more of, you know? I mean, I'd love to see some classic films remade, like really classic. You know, like I know that, um, oh, was it Robert Eggers who wanted to do a Nosferatu remake, you know? Yes. And that would have been really cool. I would have loved to see that in his style, you know, just something like that. Yeah, something that's classic like that would make sense because if it's, I mean, if it's somewhat contemporary, like, you know, like all those Spider-Man movies um, with a similar plot of Uncle Ben getting killed and not me yeah, raising yeah. Spider-Man, like we've seen that yeah. before. Um, but let's just see something new. Well, this is actually one that actually screams that. It's the Munsters. So it's a 60s sitcom about family-friendly monst- monsters. Rob Zombie is going to be directing this one. He's, of course, an accomplished musician. He's been known for amazing horror films um, that he's done, but he'll be directing uh, and actually writing the Munsters um, movie. So this is gonna be a horror film or a comedy? I think like this the will TV be a show. Was yeah, I think this will be a darker take, but it might make um, might pay homage to the original because you know Rob's stuff is very dark. You right. Know? Um, the Munsters was a comedy, just like the Adams Family. Yeah, yeah, he said, I, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, he said that he's a longtime Monsters fan who named his song Dragula after the Monsters car and spoke about his love of the series. Um, but it didn't allude to if whether he's going to stick to more the comedic side of it or go on his, you know, crazy dark and blood bloodbath filled uh, type of film. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see, I guess. I don't know. Well, Homer um, Monster was um, a Maryland sorry. native. <laughs> what? No, no, no. Like, I was thinking, I was going to say, I wonder if this whole resurgence of like the Adams Family is getting a reboot, you know, now this. I wonder if being goth is going to become on Vogue again. I just hope not. I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> I would be happy. I, I mean, I'm, I I'm, sure, I'm sure Hot Topic, would, Hot Topic would love that. Hot Topic yeah. would love that. Hot Topic, yeah, but... 
hilarious. Yeah, They'll make a movie back. about the Kardashian next. <laughs> no, I'll, yeah, but, I'll, um, but um, but Fred Gwynn, who played Herman Munster, he actually died in in Tongatown, Maryland, where he lived. Oh, um, he's from Maryland. Late in his life, yep. Wow. Oh, and he also was in um, My Cousin Vinny, playing the judge. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. A little trivia. A little trivia for you. Um, one of my favorites is Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, she'll be starring along Ralph Fiennes in a movie called The Menu. It's a dark comedy psychological thriller. Interesting. She'll play a woman who travels with her boyfriend to an exclusive restaurant on a remote island uh, to sample a serving menu from a claimed chef. But where is the... I mean, they don't say anything else, but I mean, <laughs> really? how's this a dark psychological thriller when they simply go to a restaurant on a remote island? But I guess that remains to be revealed. I guess that's kind of like the... Uh, yeah, that would help because that teaser isn't too... Um, it's not enticing, is it? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make you want to watch it. And they have a, they have a decent meal and he leaves a... Um, 22% tip at the end. It kind of sounds, yeah. like, sounds like a me- remake of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. I'm, I'm really curious. Um, like, but <laughs> with a bad restaurant and all the like. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe he'll be eating ginger. Oh, oh my. Okay, the food. Oh, double yeah, entendre. Yeah. I got yeah, it. The food, yeah. yeah, double I entendre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Jessica, I know you understand that. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> that was funny and bad at the same time. I love it. Uh, that was really good, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh man, what else do we have? Baby, he'll be eating ginger. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was wild. Okay. So they're kind of doing um, a twins remake, but under the remember the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito film. Yes. But it's gonna be called Brothers, okay. and it's gonna be Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage. Okay. See, I like this. I like this. You like that, right? Because you know what? Give it a different name. Give it a different name. I like it's called that. Brothers. Let it stand on its own. Like you, we don't need to call it Twins. You know, it could be the same concept, but then people will be like, "Oh, did you see Brothers? Or or did you see Twins? And you know what the hell they're talking about?" Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a fun film. I mean, it would be good to see Tyrion Lannister returning to comedy. Um, so it was him and who else? Josh Brolin. Okay. Yeah, Thanos that or Bran. Or Bran oh, from Goonies. Yeah, Bran from Goonies, of course. Yeah, yeah, whichever one you want to associate Bran, with. Bran from Goonies, yeah. Bran from Goonies. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Close is actually uh, oh, going to wow. be joining this film as well. Um, so, yeah. That should, be a lot of, that should be a real fun film. Yeah. Um, let's see. Soon you'll find out what happened to Captain Jack Aubrey, um, as they are, um, developing another Master and Commander film, which will be draw, which will draw on the first book in Patrick O'Brien's beloved Aubrey Maturin series. Um, 2003, there was a Master and Commander film. I'm not familiar with this film. I never I'm not saw either. it. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> I don't but, know about the uh, books. I don't know about the movie. I have no idea. But the movie made $211.6 million at the box office. So Jeez. clearly in 2003, we were, we were drugged up or <laughs> partying way too hard. I have to no idea. Wait, yeah, I have no idea. I yeah. was only five years old, so speak for exactly. yourself. I yeah. know, right? I couldn't see the movie ever in my Von Dutch hat. 
<laughs> and Amanda was just a little baby. I get oh. it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, Malin Ackerman. She's one of my favorites. She's from Watchmen and Billions. She's going to be in an up- upcoming romantic comedy with Connie Nielsen uh, called A Week in Paradise, where she escapes to a tropical hotel after discovering her it, it, film. He's at a re- restaurant. And he's a restaurant. Yes. Right. <laughs> Discovers her film director husband cheats on her with his leading lady and gets her pregnant. Okay. <laughs> That's the movie, huh? That's the movie, and it's a romantic comedy? Oh. <laughs> Infidelity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Getting other women pregnant. Okay. That's always, that's always funny. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, we gotta. Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna have to see about right, the script. Right, to see whether it's qualifies yeah. as a romantic comedy based on the premise there, right? Um, let's see. Anne Hathaway, Marissa Tomei, Matthew Broderick are gonna star in a movie called "She Came to Me." It's a romantic comedy. Um, I'm intrigued. You're intrigued. <laughs> the title? Yes. <laughs> It's and that's in, what he said. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's what he said. It's set in New York and follows a string of characters, including a composer suffering from writer's block who discovers his passion after an adventurous one-night stand. Okay. Personally, I'm surprised by Matthew Broderick. I thought that guy was dead. I don't know. Oh, where did he go? That. <laughs> wow. Where has he been? Oh. You know, he was actually in a short-lived um, movie, uh, sorry, series on Netflix called Daybreak. Yeah. Um, I know he starred in that, but that was the last thing I seen him in, you know? Oh, good for him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still an opportunity for Ferris Bueller part two. Yeah. I always thought, you know, where See, that, like that that's deserving of a, a sequel. I feel like that, yeah. you know, there's no following friends. Like there's just no following something like that. You can't right. you can't follow it up with like now I'm a big movie star. Like once you right. do T V on that level you're just always going to be known for, for, that, for yep. that character. It's really, really, so it's really, it really makes it so difficult for actors to, you know, continue. And especially for, for jumping which character? from, Ferris Bueller? you know, jumping from TV into, into film is hugely different. Are you talking yeah. about Ferris Bueller? What happened? Are you talking about Ferris Bueller? Which, um... Oh, Matthew Broderick. What? Well, Matthew Broderick is Ferris Bueller, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could. I didn't hear what he said. Oh, okay. No, no. Are, are you, what TV show are you talking about? What he was in. Oh, the day, the Daybreak show that got canceled. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't know for whatever reason it didn't get a second season. So. Oh well, a lot of movie, a lot of shows don't make it to a second season. Um, but we'll talk about a few of those later. Um. Interesting. I think someone said he said or she said or whatever. That's what he said. That's what she said. But this this is actually a serious Jessica film. Did. Jessica, yes. this is a serious film called She Said. So this is uh, about the Me Too movement. It's oh, Car- okay. Yeah, so it's Karen Mulligan and Zoe Kazan. Um, it's all, all about the New York Times uh, sexual harassment allegation or an investigation against Harvey Weinstein that actually kicked off the Me Too movement. So they were, they're going to play the authors of the book in this movie called she said okay so not to be confused by the popular um 
catchphrase from the office. Which... Well, it's good. It's good for Harvey Weinstein to still be finding work, I guess. <laughs> I don't think he's entitled yeah, to any role. playing for... him? Oh, 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 he's not. He's not playing himself. He's not playing himself. No. Okay. Who's gonna play Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> I bet he. I bet he still wants to. I bet. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Who? Man, nobody looks like that guy. Yeah. He's not. Thank God, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, who the hell could play him? Jeez. You're gonna have to hire Shrek. <laughs> How about Jeff um, from the Goldbergs? Jeff Carlin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's actually a good one, isn't he? Well, because well, they actually had a um, one of the episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Maybe. He was in there, and people thought he was Harvey Weinstein. Yes. 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 And like, and like he he was going crazy. People kept mistaking him, giving him dirty looks, you know, not letting him into restaurants. It was right. pretty funny. Right. Or maybe they could just hire a comedian to play Harvey Weinstein, you know? A comedian, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Get his take. That would be interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. A good twist, right? A good twist. Wow. Yeah, too bad Chris Farley's passed away. I know, I know. right? Good. I know, right? That would be... He would have been great. He would have been great. So there was another COVID outbreak on Mission Impossible 7. So this is the movie that Tom Cruise oh, yeah. famously yelled at his crew um, uh, for not wearing their mask. And there was actually an outbreak and they actually had to halt production oh, until uh, next week, till June 14th. They're going to resume production. Wait, told but, yeah. But Tom what, Cruise. Is everybody on the on the set um, you know, vaccinated now? Vax vaccinated? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, vaccinated. 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 I like that. 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 Uh, as far as the vaccination, but they have no honor on that set. Those bastards. Know. Maybe clearly from, uh, from Zenu that he should stop doing so many sequels. <laughs> right? That's, that's, this is the seventh film. <laughs> I, I mean, now we're going into like stop now. We're going to the territory of uh, Fast and Furious. I just we just don't need it, you know. Yeah, yeah we need mm. an eyes wide shut part two. Right. <laughs> Yes. Nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was like a serious movie and being in the theater and laughing at it. As yeah. Like. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, some Netflix stuff. Um, they just dropped a trailer of Fear Street. This is the trilogy of films that will debut one week apart in July based on Arl Stein's novels. As you know, he did the Goosebumps books. These are more the um, more and more for young adults. You know, it's more um, more teenage characters, I guess. Um, but the trailer looked pretty cool. Um, it covers the years 1994, 1978, and 1666. So you can check it out on Netflix. All three good years. All three great years, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do we have in Netflix? Um Leighton Meester of Gossip Girl will star in a thriller on Netflix called The Weekend Away. Um, where basically it's a weekend getaway to Croatia that goes wrong 
when a woman is accused of killing her best friend. Oh my God. That's really, really dark. Sounds like <laughs> Amanda. Sounds like what kind of film? Knox. Oh, Amanda Knox. Yes. Similar. Yeah. Holy heck. That's crazy. That's actually a very good uh, comparison for that. Yeah, of course, uh, she still claims not guilty, right? But that's that's really, really uh, interesting tie-in there. Yeah. Um, Chris Ludacris, speaking of Fast and Furious, Chris Ludacris Bridges. Um, <laughs> and you, you, can't Bridges. Call, you can't call him by his full name. Let's call him Luda. 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 And Bo Bridges, who aren't related, but they're going to be starring in a movie together. Uh, on Netflix called uh, The End of the Road. And also joining them is Queen Latifah. And Todd Bridges. And Todd Bridges is joining, and uh, all the other famous Bridges. Yeah. The Brooklyn Bridges will be joining. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The, the London Bridges will be joining. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see, you're also on Netflix. We're doing a Matilda film. Oh, thank God. Are you excited about that one? Yes. Yes. It's, it's based about on, time. Best on the West End stage musical. Um, Emma Thompson stars in that one. Tyler Perry's got Medea coming back on Netflix as well. The next movie is called um, Medea's Farewell Tour. Um, Didn't she already die? I That's they had, what like, I movie thought. About they had Medea's they had uh, or a Medea family funeral. Right. So how are they going to bring up a new? This is actually really interesting. Yeah, I guess they have. They uh, have to explain how she's coming back in this Netflix. It could film. be a prequel. Could it be a prequel? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I all know that logic does not apply to Medea. Yeah. Right. <laughs> has anyone sat down through one of the Medea movies? I watched one. I watched the Halloween one. The Halloween which I actually one. thought was funny. I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> pretty, he's actually pretty funny in that character. I I my cousin admit. made me, and I'm like, this is actually pretty funny. Yeah. I still don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, it's no, it's no Big Mama's house, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this series is really really it's just got a really cool premise so it's kind of like has two alternate timelines but it's not like of an avengers type of movie it's uh stars lily reinhardt from um from uh, riverdale and basically there's two parallel realities one where after college graduation she becomes pregnant and is a young mother and the other is that she moves to L.A. to pursue her career. Um, hmm. So you get to see, like, both timelines. That's pretty in interesting. Series. Yeah. yeah. That's actually kind of different. Um, but, yeah, um, also in the cast is Luke Wilson. That's Owen's brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Danny Ramirez. Yeah. Andrew Savage. Aisha D. Um, that, should sound, that sounds like a fun one. Um, real excited about Netflix Sandman. This is Neil Gaiman's. Um, work uh, from DC Comics, the Vertigo uh, line of DC Comics, which they just announced their cast a couple weeks ago, uh, including Gwendolyn Christie, uh, Brian of Toth. But um, I'm really excited about that. But we're going to put that on hold. I think we're going to welcome our special guest who's just joining us. Oh, there she is. There you are. Yay! Yeah, happy to welcome to Below the Belt Show. Wow, she's an amazing writer director extraordinaire 
actress extraordinaire, but she's the writer, producer, and star of this great film that a few of us here uh, got to check out. Got a little sneak peek, which we're excited and privileged to watch, called Under the Lantern Lit Sky. We welcome Jacqueline Bethany. Jacqueline, good to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Wow, what a film. I got to say, this complete complete work work of art and Thanks. what what you're able to accomplish on an independent film level budget and and what you're working with uh especially a period piece to come out looking as beautiful as it did and so well written and um so well acted as well so i have uh Thank lots of great things, <laughs> great things to say about this film so congratulations um so you're going to be a part of the brooklyn film festival this weekend, so congratulations on that, being one of the spotlight films of that. How was that process? In um... yeah, well, I you know I don't know I I haven't I didn't direct it so I haven't been involved in the the festival uh, submissions or um, sort of the promotion of the film in that way. But um, you know it feels nice to have it in a festival. You know it was made. I think we filmed it two years ago. So um, I think it was finished with post, I, I believe, right around the time of COVID, the code of the code of COVID lockdown. So I, I think the movie is online as part of the festival right now. And then there's a weekend in-person screening um, that's happening Saturday. Saturday so, in New York City in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that I'm is- here. I'm in, I'm in New York. Um, and, um, it's very, very hot, very warm, um, which has kind of been shocking actually. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jessica is also in New York. I'll be in New York yeah. uh, this weekend for the Tribeca film festival. So yeah. Hi okay. Jacqueline. Uh, I also want to add that, that the film, um, was really, really incredible, uh, touching, I, I loved the locations. I loved what you guys did with the sets. Um, you know, the sets and obviously like costume was, was like a real big one too. Your hair and makeup. It was uh, <laughs> there's so much that went into this filming, not just obviously with the camera setups, but you know, uh, the the locations. Um, and the detail, like attention to detail, which is really, really difficult with like period pieces yes. that I thought you guys did an absolutely brilliant job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's always, I think, you know, every kind of film, I mean, this was a different kind of role for me because I usually direct um and but I do I love acting and I love facilitating my own work in whatever um you know capacity that entails and a combination of the different skills so I guess you never know when you're going into um a project I always sort of feel like I don't know what I'm doing or like things are going to go wrong and then it's just sort of out of your control in a lot of ways and you have to sort of like just trust that the magic will happen um, so I was curious when you wrote the script, um, did you have in mind that you want to play Blanche all along, Jacqueline? Um, I don't. It, it actually sort of just developed as a play, an idea. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I maybe I, I don't know. Um, 
I think once it was sort of turned into a film and I was going to sort of stay on board in the capacity that I, I was in, I was like, yeah, it's a great um, role. And I felt like I could do it, but I didn't feel like I could do everything on this film, obviously. So I decided just to act and sort of give the directing um, to Michelle and, um, and the script. So that's sort of, it was, it was very intense, um, acting wise. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's challenging and we shot in a very, uh, short amount of time and it's a very like emotional kind of arc. Um, but also really fun, um, to get to be in an, a, a, a film that takes place in a different time and, um, you know, I'm from the South, I'm from Mississippi, and so that stories nice. about those places are very close to me, um, and I think, of course, when I was, and whenever I really write anything, I, I sometimes will see myself in certain characters or whatever, but I'm not always in them, so. Right. Uh, yeah. But I think that was a good call, um, having you portray Blanche. I thought you did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, yeah, and I have a quick question too. So, um, well, having been both writer and lead actor on this project, um, do you find it easier that process of creating the character, you know, from both perspectives, or do you prefer being an actor, actor, you know, interpreting a written character? Um, I think that's interesting, and I think you, that's a good question. And most of my experience comes from theater, where it's very much you're working really closely with a writer. Um, or, you know, if it's a, it, it, to me, like plays and theater is more about, uh, uh, starts with the writing and the director sort of interprets that. And that was, I think, very much like this process. Um, so, and the way that I've kind of worked in the past, like I was saying, is like project dependent. And I don't, and I, I was really solely just acting until I was like 24, like, uh, and then I started writing my own short scripts and sort of. So it's sort of evolved. It's always evolving for me. I think I've actually, you know, I, I, in a way I, I started pursuing directing and then more acting opportunities opened up. And it's interesting how that works when you're trying to pursue one thing, but then something else sort of, um, you know, opens the, the door to uh, a creatively fulfilling and challenging part of yourself that you, you know, you didn't know uh existed as much before or something if that makes sense so that was definitely like the process in this particular project too was sort of finding my own way with the story and the character through also the writing um that i i had some you know control over but um i think it, it comes down to you know the editing there's so many elements that happen after that i wasn't as was involved in but very grateful for the um the creative collaboration that happened before mm -hmm. the filming and, um, and on okay. set. I was also curious of choosing the, the timeline for this film because this is a movie that you could actually put in contemporary times, right? It still could have worked, right? And I was just curious on your decision. I think it definitely has universal themes. Um, yes. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at sort of classic drama or whatever um it's obviously there's a reason why these types of stories have stuck with us for a long period of time 
And also Blanche's experience, I think, felt very um, relevant to what we were experiencing in our in our zeit cultural zeitgeist, and also with the LGBTQ community, and sort of like all of that sort of being. These are two people that I feel have experienced trauma, and that that can be that's very much a part of the zeitgeist today and sort of this like reckoning that we're kind of having, you know, with our culture and society. So I think it it also has the ability to feel, yes, it takes place in, you know, um, 1920s or whatever, but it also feels very much relevant and could take place at any time. Right. Uh, but I think that's cool that you added that aspect because you have the awesome costuming and the awesome, um, just everything that you did that was relevant to that time period was just so beautifully done. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I like the way that certain period films and directors, filmmakers, like, add, will add, that's not so strictly period, and they'll add things that are, you know, from different era. It's like you get the feeling of the period, but it's not, like, super, super strict, um, I don't know, like, Sofia Coppola kind of comes to mind for her, like, yeah. um, you know, putting a converse in Marie Antoinette or um, sort of just, like, punching in those moments that make it relevant to an audience today. Um, because, you know, it's not a drama. It's not people aren't with this, I don't think, are expecting to feel you want to feel transformed, of course, but not um, stiff in, like, a, in a very, like, period austere. Uh, world. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then um, I was reading uh, the synopsis on the Shark Media website, which is um, which is great because it summed up the film perfectly. Um, most of the actors come from theater backgrounds. You're not dealing with a lot of film and TV actors in your project, right? Um, I think yeah, it was it was mainly you know people definitely that started out in the theater that had um, you know it was kind of a combination of. The director and, and myself bringing in people that we knew um and i think most of them or all of them actually have you know graduate degrees from top acting mfa programs which can awesome. you know, lead to different paths and they do they have worked in um yeah in film and tv but i do think they're most of them are very much a part of the theater community in in new york um which is always something i'm um trying to i that's sort of where my network started too so i'm always trying to like bring back those people or expand my network in that way it, it's a very um special uh community and that has honestly been you know suffering so much in the past absolutely um, oh two years almost i don't know where we're at yeah <laughs> um, i think i think broadway opens up this fall finally right yeah yes that's, that's that's some a positive in that. So that's you it. Mentioned Again. The, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, go ahead. Jacqueline, you, you mentioned that the, you guys had a very short period of time to film. Um, and I did notice in the credits that there were three different locations. Could you tell us, like, what that timeline was like, you know, fitting that into those locations? Mm -hmm. So the first part of the, of the shoot was in L.A., um, which was, you know, local to everyone working on it. Mm. Um, and I believe we shot for about a week in L.A. And then we went to New Orleans the beginning of, uh, 
and shot for like four days there or something. So it was very quick, but also we had a lot of, we had a period of rehearsal. Um, we had a, like a bit of a break in between the, the two shoots to kind of like figure out what we needed and stuff like that. So um, it was summer 2018 and it was um, uh, very hot, um, which I think added to maybe the feeling of the film and um, the sweat and the, you know, like the, the humidity that um, is in the South <laughs> for sure. Let's talk about Michelle Bossy um, because I was also reading that she experienced something very similar to your character, Blanche. She actually married uh, someone who actually ended up, you know, coming out of the closet. Um, I guess initially was going through those decisions and then decided that he was gay. Um, I thought that was an interesting take. So Michelle actually had personal experience to actually draw on for directing this film. Yes. And, you know, I didn't know her full, like her full personal history, of course. And um, yeah. I honestly, that's why artists are attracted to other artists material. A lot of the time is because they, they have a similar experience or they relate to um, relate to the material. And she, she did. And I, um, so I think it was also a pretty emotional, um, emotional experience for her. Um, and it's probably very, um, I'm, I'm, it was great working with her and I'm sure she's super proud that it, it's, you know, come out beautifully and as having a premiere. So, um, I think it's, it's, I don't, you know, I, I, I definitely think every project I do has a little bit of me, but like, I, you know, I, I have not had that experience, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It, um, I think it can feel quite cathartic when you're dealing with um, a uh, someone that's been in that position and then to right. see them go through the process of making the film. Um, and I, I think I'm, I believe she's like very happy with the film. So, um, wow. you know, it's, it's turned out. So that's like the perfect director for your film with someone that, it, you know, yeah. and that's, Amazing how you that you linked up with Michelle. Yeah, is there a we story were, behind linking up we with were, Michelle? We were introduced through another um, a friend who was in the an actor in the movie Christy Escobar, um, and she actually had worked with Michelle in theater, um, and so I was developing this idea as a play, and that was originally going to be the. Um, the form it would take and you know I was prepared to do that for years because plays can be developed for years and years or whatever and then Michelle had recently moved to Los Angeles and she was really looking to get into film and tv so it sort of became a feature film quite quickly um and I you know I think the script was still in like the old like play format even like when right up until right before we were shooting so I think we had some crossover, obviously, in the, the New York theater community, but I didn't know her before this project. Wow. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I did want to talk about, uh, Jacqueline, some of the stuff on your IMDb, because you have a couple projects that are in post-production that look really awesome. <laughs> um, Before the World Set on Fire, you're the director and writer of that one. Uh, the Falling World, which uh, seems like a really cool mystery. Um, are you are you able to talk about these projects? Yes, 
absolutely. Um, well, I think during uh, COVID, I became really, um, really anxious um, to, and was feeling so withdrawn from art, basically, and like being in the room with other artists. And right. um, Before the World Set on Fire was a very interesting um, project that was uh, kind of put together also fairly quickly. Um, made partially on Zoom, um, which was made in June last year at like the height of sort of COVID. And we wow, were one wow. of like five production shooting in the US or something. Wow. Um, so that, and that script basically was not fully finished at the time we started um working on it or, or quote unquote shooting on zoom, but because there were no, um, you know, setups or camera prep or makeup or anything like that, everyone was sort of their own person on, they're just re, you know, doing their part. Um, we had a lot of time to develop the, the script and the material in the zoom room, which was funny. And then we, um, we shot the rest of it in August. There's a, also a part that takes place in real life, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a really uh, intense sort of genre. It's about a woman who, um, it's not pandemic related, but it's, uh, yeah. a, she's a professor at a local, um, not a local, but a, sm a small liberal arts school that is um, under a quarantine because of a chemical leak in a lab. But um, it's just, you know, within their own community, but they're sort of investigating how it happened and so she's conducting she's a philosophy professor she's conducting um like her fifth seminar sort of with these kind of some very uninterested some very interested undergraduates um and as it goes on you kind of realize that this one student is sort of in a completely different um mindset and taking the the Nietzsche who she's um sort of talking about and uh explaining kind of very uh literally and um it gets like a little bit scary and then something happens and then she's being blamed for what happens in the class so that's the second that's the second part of the movie um and it stars um or the the woman who plays Anya the the lead is um is Brooke Bloom and she's an amazing actress and Sam Levine plays um Wilder uh and it was oh, just yeah, like a Sam really, Levine he's great really really great um ensemble ensemble cast awesome well we cannot wait cool. uh for them to release so we can have you back and talk about them but uh i was also seeing that you were in mank david fincher's oscar nominated film how how was that experience uh being on um, that set well i mean i'm like not really in it but uh <laughs> i guess you know it's like it was and it was an amazing experience to be on that talk about like period specificity and like right. um, watching an amazing director uh the the scene i'm like you know sort of blinking you'll miss me but was a, one actually the first scene that they shot uh first day of shooting and i think they spent like a week on the scene um which wow. was like page and a half um <laughs> but it did um these multiple was, takes that's why uh, yeah it was you know, like 70, 80, <laughs> but, um, he takes a lot yeah. of takes, <laughs> uh, you know, also works with the same crew over and over again. Um, usually, yes. um, 
and I, you know, he's so knowledgeable about uh, lighting and lenses and, and cinematography. And like, I thought he was actually the cinematographer. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, that was just like such a cool experience. Like I was happy to be there. I would be a fly on the wall and, and that, um, on that set with those, with those artists. Amazing. And uh, any other closing questions from the panel for, for Jacqueline before we wrap up the interview? Yeah, I have a quick one, actually. Yeah, um, Amanda, go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. So I heard you mention a few times that you, you know, the, a lot of the actors that you work with um, went to, you know, different graduate programs. Do you feel like that's a super important element of becoming a, success, a successful actor? Or do you think, or you know, what are the important elements to you of becoming a success? Oh, not at all. I mean, I think that that is all dependent on on the person. I mean, there's so many examples of, of successful actors that, you know, didn't even finish high school. So I, I think it, right. I, although I, I value personally education and um, I think I went to grad school for directing, for which directing, which is different, but for AFI, me, right? Yes. Um, for me, it, it gave me an, a network and really pushed me to to make things. Um, but I, I don't think there's any right way. I do think like taking classes and like making sure you're like sort of like, I don't know, using that muscle often because, you know, as an actor, you're not going to be working all the time unless you're you get really lucky. <laughs> so I think that's, I guess, like my best sort of advice. Um, with that um but everyone has their own path and um you know i didn't go to grad school for acting and i still act so it's not like right. the end all it's just up to the person i think that's, that's great to hear because we're all actors here that, that, that was great oh, right, right. okay yeah jessica you have a question yeah i do have an additional question um and actually, it is in regards to the acting, but how does one prepare and how did you prepare uh, for the more intimate scenes? Interesting. You know, it's interesting because I did like a short back in February, I, I don't know, earlier this year that had like nothing. I mean, I there that's always tricky. And I think you have to kind of be, because I've also been on the other side of it as a director directing. Um, intimate scenes or whatever and I think you kind of just have to be upfront, like with what it's going to be but also um I, I I kind of look at it as I feel like there's some sort of taboo around like intimacy or like I, I, I don't know and I, I think as long as you're comfortable with it and feel safe I mean I think it's just in, in the way it's part of our it's part of life like it's you know it's a big part of life and I think life should be reflected on screen um, you know, I'm not like opposed to uh, going there if, if the if the part. I mean, how it was shot was very tasteful. Like how it was yeah. shot and how it was done was and, very tasteful. Right. And was that, that was that the director or was that more like what you guys kind of did as actors on set when you were feeling the scene? I don't know. Like how did that? I think I think I would. I would not have done that had it not been been clear to me um, that uh, they would be shot in an intimate way. Um, I'm sorry, in a I'm not sorry, not an intimate way, in a tasteful way. The intimate scenes would would that would be shot in an intimate way was very important to me if I was going to play um, that role. 
Correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Fantastic film. Brooklyn Film Festival. You can check out Under the Lantern Lit Sky. Uh, Jacqueline, thank you you so much for uh, joining us here on Below the Belt Show. And before we let you go, if you could uh, do a little promo, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for uh, Under the Lantern Lit Sky or whatever you want to promote. And just let us know you're on uh, Below the Belt Show and, yeah, whatever you want at the end. Okay. Um... I am Jacqueline Bethany. I'm an filmmaker, actor, writer. Um, I, the film that I recently uh, wrote and appear in will be playing Under the Lantern of the Sky. We'll be playing the Brooklyn Film Festival this weekend. Also, um, it's online, I believe, um, on demand. Uh, you can buy a ticket. Um, and yeah, I have a couple of projects coming up that we talked about. And thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> this is Below the Belt. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Producer Chach, can you take a snapshot of us? All right, All right ready? ready? One, two, three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ja- Jacqueline, you look like you're ready for your beauty. Jacqueline, you look like you're ready for your beauty rest. Is it that blurry? <laughs> yeah, it's been that blurry it the whole time. Weird. I don't know. It might be my phone. I wasn't expecting to be on like camera, but it's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, you look yeah. lovely nonetheless. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you Thanks so, much, so much, much for watching the film and supporting That's my work. Best of luck at the at the Brooklyn thank Film Festival. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely sure it's gonna be an award winner. I'm excited. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. That was Jacqueline Bethany, um, writer, actress, uh, director. Well, multi-talented. That was awesome for her to talk to us about her film. So we're going to take a classic cut break. Um, and then when we get back, we'll finish up the entertainment stuff. Um, and Chach, if you uh, want to go ahead and take us away for the classic cut. Where my dog's at. It is time for King Chachi's classic cuts. Holla at your boy. Chachi's. Chachi. Oh, definitely. All right, it's Chachi in charge once again for Chachi's Classic Cut, where each and every week I uh, reach into our vast archive of music, our cassette tapes, our scratch CDs, <laughs> our old warp records, and I pick out a classic cut to play for you. All and right. It's no different. Um, here in Maryland, I think much of the... Um, you know, east, east coast, um, coast and north, um, you know, northeast, north part of the country. We're getting swarmed by cicadas. Cicadas. The 17 um, year cicadas where they burrow into the ground for 17 years and they come up um, and fly around and get smashed by my windshield in my car. And fuck a lot. After too. all that time. Yeah. And they're loud outside my window right now. Yeah. I had one flying to my head um, the other day, and I oh heard my God. It, it screamed. <laughs> it flew into the back of oh my, my head. Oh, my God. And they're like screeching. nightmares, those things. They're like oh, big. Yeah. They got oh, God. Arms, the big red, like, eyes. red eyes. Red eyes. And so, like, last time they <laughs> last time they came here was in um, 2003. So, like, I'm sure all of us here were just, like, little kids at that point on the show. Um, but, you know, one of the artists related to <laughs> cicadas. You know, so this is um, John Cicada 
or Sakata. Oh, <laughs> have one say it. That's funny. That's um, funny. I thought great. he was gonna play Nicki Minaj. <laughs> a great um, a great um, Cuban singer, and um, this song is called "Just Another Day," which was probably his biggest hit. Um, reached up to number five um, on the Billboard Hot 100, and okay. um, it came out in June 29th, 19 March no March 24th, 1992 in the U.S. And singing background is Gloria Stefan and produced nice. by her husband, Emilio Stefan Jr. So this is John Cicada, <laughs> Just Another Day. All right. We'll be back right after the classic cut, guys. Play on words there, Chachi. John Cicada, for all the cicadas that have been swarming us this summer. Oh, yeah, I hear them right now at my window, just screaming. <laughs> it's like it's like constant it's all day long. For you people in California, or maybe, I don't think they're in Florida or anywhere in the south, right? It's really just mid-Atlantic, I think. And maybe maybe up in Pennsylvania, and I think in Jersey as well, right? New York. But maybe not as far south as Florida, and it's definitely not on the West Coast. So yeah, but well, I mean, so, imagine being underground since 2003, and coming up now and seeing all the different changes Jesus in the Christ. past 17 years. I know, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, that would be pretty much be like the Winter Soldier, you know, yeah, <laughs> on, a like mini, a... on a mini winter frozen break. But uh, we do have Amanda like, show. Like, where the hell is Napster at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I think you alluded to earlier, Amanda. You're only um five years old when the first uh, cicadas first erupted. I remember them. I remember uh, them. You do. Oh. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> but you're experiencing them now, and you think they're amazing, right? <laughs> that's probably sure. that's probably not the the proper word to describe it. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah, so next time you see them, there's going to be two thousand and I'm trying to do math here. Uh, eight, 2038? Yeah, I'll be 39. 2038 the next time. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. That's horrible. Yeah. We'll have to just tell our stories then. I won't be living <laughs> here, though. I'll be in LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll make sure to call yeah. back in the show. We'll be right here. <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Amanda, I know that you have to... Uh, Leave us this oh. evening. We love having you, but I know you—you uh, you got your beauty rest, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. To you know, go and work with a bunch of kids tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, it's, don't it's we good. all? Yeah. So thanks for being a part of the show, Amanda. The lovely and talented Amanda Michelle. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks. for joining us. That's always fun. Oh. All right. Good night. Bye. 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 All right. We're still waiting for. Uh, my second favorite Aussie, my first favorite Aussie is uh, Margot Robbie, obviously. Um, <laughs> Where does Paul Hogan um, rank in that list? Oh, God, he's way, way low. He's way low. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, rest in peace, though. Um, 
All right, well, um, <laughs> let's uh, throw out some more. Paul Hogan's still alive. I'm sorry, you know, I'm th- I'm <laughs> I'm confusing him with with the um the uh, the crocodile hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, <laughs> my yeah. bad. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> rest in peace. Yeah. I well, was. I mean, I mean, rest in peace tonight when you're you're asleep, and then you wake up in the morning and have know, a great day, right? You know, I I messed up. Um, this morning there anyways now. Well, I know you're Stranger Things fan, Chachi. Yes. Stranger Things season four is building its cast. Wow, some more series regulars are joining. Grace Van Deen, um, who's the daughter of Casper Van Deen. You might remember him from uh, Starship Troopers. Um, also, Regina Ting Chen, Miles Truitt, and Amy Beth McNulty. And I know you always like to kind of check out um, a famous actor's daughter, but... Check out Grace Van Deen. Um, let me know your thoughts. She is uh, quite the beauty, Chachi McFly. She is very, very lovely. Well, who um, the, who's her, um... Casper Van Deen is her father. It's okay. kind of a, yeah. I know, she is hot. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So she's joining the cast. Of course, all your original favorites. Winona, David Harbour, Harbour uh, Finn Wolfhard, Millie Bobby Brown. Gina Matarazzo, Caleb McLaughlin, Noah Schnapp, Sadie, Sadie Sick, Natalia Dyer, Charlie Heaton, Joe Keir will all be back. Why are they still adding new actors for the show? Are they done filming yet? Well, I guess they're just announcing them. Maybe they already shot. Yeah. Um, I, I but, hope so, because I mean, if they're still filming, I'm like, my God, they're going to be like... Well, actually, no, the, the, the season is currently still in production in Atlanta, Chachi. Well, they're, they're going to be 40 by the next season. <laughs> you know? They're, I imagine they're, they're probably finishing up, Chach. Okay. Let's hope for a late 2021 uh, premiere, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Definitely one of my top favorite shows, like top three. Right. Favorite shows, yeah. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic show. Um, Umbrella Academy, um, season three will be um, dropping, but they haven't announced the premiere date just yet. But they just announced the episode titles. Um. But I don't know if that really reveals much. I mean, those episode no. titles could could be really anything. Again, very, very curious of how they handle Vanya's character, portrayed by Elliot Page. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too curious. I'm curious how they're going <laughs> to handle it. Yeah. I really am. Are, is she still going to play the cis woman character of Vanya? Will her character go through a uh, you know a gender swap during the uh, during the series? I don't know. It'll be interesting to. I to, think uh, I think they probably will. Yeah, and we have our favorite Aussie back. Hi no, wait, guys. You said, you said second favorite. She's my second favorite Aussie. My favorite being Margot Robbie, but Jessica, you're my second favorite. I could be second to Margot any day. Yeah. She's, my third, <laughs> she's my third favorite. Like, oh. right after right after Paul Hogan. Oh, Paul Hogan. Okay, yeah. Jessica's a third. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, I was curious what you that's, think. That's still pretty high. Yeah, we we're Jessica. We we're just talking about uh, <laughs> Umbrella Academy. Um. Elliot Page, formerly Ellen Page, who went through gender reassignment surgery, was playing a cis woman character. We were curious, how how are they going to handle season three of Umbrella Academy? Because her character is a woman. Um, she decided to go transgender, uh, male to, uh, yeah, to female to male. Um, she did the top surgery. She posed shirtless with abs and swimming trunks um, uh, recently. So I'm very curious how they're going to handle now that Elliot Page is a he and a they, I guess you, 
Uh, he said he or they are the pronouns. Oh, you're not sure what the writers are going to do now? Yeah, the writers are going to do. Are they still going to portray Vanya? Are they going to still have Elliot Page appear to look like Vanya as a woman, you know? It's going to be tough. I mean, if they want to continue, like, keeping the character to be realistic to what the writers want, then then she's going to have to continue to play a female if the writers are more open, then they, they may write her character in as a male. Yeah, and it's a superhero genre, and so may, anything can happen, they right? They allow the, the character to, you know, to do a trans yeah. transition, too. Transition within the show, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought the first season was great. Last The second season, I thought, was like wasn't that good, so I'm curious about the third season. Yeah, I, I still haven't finished season two. See, that's why, yeah. In the first one, you probably finished quickly, right? I did, because it was so yeah. good. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was just I watched that when two. I was was uh, the height of the pandemic when there was nothing to do. Yeah. I was watching a ton, a ton of Netflix. But one show you should probably not get into is Jupiter's Legacy because no. we announced last week that it was just canceled just after one season. I don't know why. It was like the number one rated show during its release. Um, they're renewing Shadow and Bone for a second season, um, which is another top rated show. But why not, you know, Jupiter's Legacy? It's just I know that the cast is really upset about Netflix's decision not to bring the show back for a second series, second season rather. So I don't know. Um, uh, Mike yeah, Myers. That's why I always think long and hard before I get into a new series. People always yeah. say like, you gotta watch this, gotta watch this, and I'll wait till like season three usually because it gets canceled and I wasted like a whole season and I never know what happened to the characters. Exactly. Exactly. So do yeah. you invest your time and, and, and emotions into a show that just, you know... It's kind of sad now because Netflix used to always be like... I mean, on, on network TV, stuff would get canceled all the time. Right. After one season, mid-season, whatever. But the Netflix usually gave it time to build an audience, but not so right. much now Or they will rescue a show from being canceled, like right. Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. But okay. now they're canceling a lot of stuff themselves. Actually, exactly. I have to say, one of my favorite shows to watch... Well, I have Prime. To be honest, I don't have Netflix. I have Prime. Oh, I have Amazon true. Prime. Fancy. Um, pardon? I said fancy. Yeah, French. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite TV shows right now is, well, I just finished um, watching all of the episodes. It's The Underground Railroad. Okay. I heard that was great. In fact, our guest from a few weeks back, James Dumont, plays a role in um, The Underground Railroad. Yeah, I heard I've heard great things about that show. I mean, we've seen other shows like that with a similar premise and movies like that, like Harriet and, uh, of course, Underground, which was on um, another network just a few years ago. Similar premise. But, uh, yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Which looks like yeah, a lot of fun. It's a, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's a really it's a very difficult watch. Like, it's very hard to watch. You're not going to be able to eat and watch it at the same time. Okay. Um. Just because, you know, it's it's hard content. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's violence. Um, yeah. It's very I'll, hard content. It's, I'll take your it's, challenge. I can eat. I'll take your challenge. I can eat whenever. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's, it's, you know, uh, watching something like this and then yeah. eating at the same yeah. time, it just feels, I don't know, I couldn't do it. But anyway, um, it's, you know, I mean, the acting is phenomenal. I'm going to talk again about the set and the location and the, and the yeah. props and the costume like the that type of stuff i mean they did they did great and all the actors are like fantastic okay 
I loved I loved all of it. You know, it was awesome. I, it was it was flawless. I I can't I couldn't fault it. I couldn't find faults in it. Okay. So. Okay. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. Well, one of my favorite shows on Amazon Prime is The Boys, so season three. They're starting to promote season yeah, three. Yeah, The Boys. I love The Boys. You love The Boys too, right. Jessica. It's such a great show. It is. It's so like Marvel's gone bad. And yes. Like, yes. I love it. So last week we yeah. talked about that sexy music video with Aaron Moriarty, Starlight, kind of promoting. Did you see that, Chachi? No, I did not. I, I sent you the link. I sent you a link about that. I thought you were going to check it out. Um, so she did like a little music video number, with, with uh, which is like a tribute to the Translucent character, um, which is a, like a brand new song, I guess. Um, they kind of uh, pushed that video out to promote it. And then they, they just released... Um, a photo of Jensen Ackles, who is from Supernatural, he's going to be playing a new character called Soldier Boy. So Soldier Boy was a fan favorite character from the comics, from the raunchy Amazon Prime uh, series. So you'll get to see uh, Soldier Boy. Uh, the Soldier Boy Superman that hoe? Oh, right. Not the rapper. Okay, not the rapper. Okay. <laughs> not to be confused with the rapper. Not thing. Soldier Boy. Not Soldier Boy. <laughs> Superman that who? Uh, so. <laughs> Mandela. No, oh my goodness. Um, so Disney Plus, let's talk about Loki, guys. Episode one dropped today on, um, yeah, on Disney Plus. They're doing something a little bit different where they're dropping the shows on Wednesday instead of Friday. Six big episodes. The first episode was phenomenal. Really? And it takes place right after Loki steals the Tesseract in Avengers. And you, it takes place right after that. In fact, they actually had to reshoot some scenes that were supposed to take place in Avengers Infinity War. They used some some archive footage from the movie, but they also shot okay. some new footage to show it from Loki's perspective. Which oh, is very, okay. very important to get that, you know, kind of... because. And um, the aftermath of of you know of you know running away from uh, you know with the tesseract, you're basically um, altering the timeline because uh, and that, that that's what it was all about really was the timeline and um, if you're a timeline offender, if you escape to a different timeline, you're you're called a variant basically, and that's a no-no in. Um, in this world uh, called the Time Variance, a TVA group. Um, TVA are basically timekeepers, and the timekeepers um, pretty much control uh, are kind of like a um, a patrolling of of people within the Marvel universe from going into different timelines. Because basically, you go to one timeline, you can screw up, and you know this from Back to the Future, Chachi. You oh, yeah, screw up yeah. one thing, and it just results in a whole bunch of mess, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I loved about it was seeing Owen Wilson. And Owen Wilson, interestingly enough, this is his first major television role. He's only been a movie guy. Really? So, wow. yeah. So it's kind of cool to see that um, in there. And uh, I just loved it, man. It was just so good. I mean, it, was, it had that signature Marvel humor. It had a lot of uh, character development with um, with Loki and Owen Wilson's character, um, and he's kind of like uh, one of the heads of the TVA. Um, and um, yeah, no, it, it was great. I guess I don't want to go too much 
spoiler territory, but basically uh, Owen Wilson's character cuts Loki a deal um, that he can get out of his sentence for being a time-traveling villain if he can alter the timeline back to where it was by taking out himself. So that's kind of where the episode closed. Uh, there's another Loki in another timeline. So kind of a cool way to start uh, the first episode. A um, lot of fun. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, I mean, it's not... <laughs> is it spoiler alert, though? I don't know. Yeah, tell us the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> it was only episode one, Jess. So I don't know if it's my spoiler alert, but uh, I won't say anything else. But um, Does he die? He doesn't die. Don't tell us. Doesn't <laughs> die. But if you died. like the if you like the show the uh, the morning show with Jennifer Aniston, um, one of the actresses in it is Gugu Mbatha-Raw. I think you were teasing her name on a previous show, Chachi. Gugu. Gugu. <laughs> Gugu. Yeah, she plays R- Ravana Renslayer. Um, basically, she's a high-ranking official in the Time Variance Authority. Um, she serves as a judge to report directly to the timekeepers. So, um, judge, judge Gugu. Yeah, <laughs> Judge Gugu, exactly. Um, you sent me this, Chachi. So, uh, the Book of Boba Fett spinoff of the Mandalorian apparently wrapped production. Um, so we'll follow Tamira Morrison as Boba Fett and Ming-Na Wen as uh, Fennec Shand, and um, apparently Ming-Na Wen posted some images of a gift from the rap party she received, which includes latex gloves to keep her stocked through the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Interestingly enough, latex gloves. That's an interesting gift. <laughs> and for you Star Wars fans, you got to check out this really cool um, uh, video. It's called Variety's Actors on Axers series. So Variety, um, one of the premier uh, news source in Hollywood, Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, and Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, have a sit-down discussion. They talk about everything Star Wars. It was really cool. Uh, they talked about how Pascal had to keep the secret of Baby Yoda. And um, also, uh, Ewan McGregor said that he had the, the puppet in episode one uh, of uh, the prequels, but then they changed it to like CG, for episodes two and three, so he didn't get that kind of like um, con- close connection that Pedro Pascal had because it was actually a tangible puppet, you know. Oh. In uh, in uh, Mandalorian is what uh, Baby Yoda is completely um, puppet uh, puppetized, I guess. <laughs> I made up a word, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was really cool. C- cool to to check that out. Um, oh yeah, speaking of Owen Wilson, one of my favorite movies is Wedding Crashers. Yes. And I think um, we talked about last week they were going to make a sequel, but apparently um, there has been far, I mean, it's so early in development right now, they're not going to be shooting this anytime soon. Uh, Basically, it's still in the early planning stages. So, Um, but you know, it is a different time. I think Wedding Crashers is all about Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson crashing weddings and trying to meet women and get laid and Wait, i don't is that, know is that frowned upon i mean it's it's pretty much the same now in new york city like, <laughs> it's the same shit going on people are still like 
Good. I'm gonna go to the wedding, and they're gonna be like a plus one. I was at a wedding the other day, and uh, this girl was like, "Oh, I just I brought a Tinder date. I met him two weeks ago." I'm like, "Good for you!" Oh lord. <laughs> I can't tell people that they're dating for like a week or like someone from Tinder. Yeah, like two And then bring them to a wedding. I'm like, okay. Yeah, especially if you're going to meet a bunch of family or friends. Yeah, bring them to a wedding. Why not? That's an interesting <laughs> take. That is an interesting a take. Wedding is always good for single women anyways. Right? Yeah. I think that? it's a great, it's kind of a great first date. Everybody's in a good mood. It's free food, free booze. Yeah. Open bar. Yeah, know? everybody's getting like, then there's Uncle Larry in the back like, yeah. ah! <laughs> doing the, the margarita yeah. <laughs> uncle larry we all have an uncle larry don't we i don't know like uncle, I larry, larry, uncle larry type i know, you what know you everybody's mean. got an uncle like that weirdo uncle I, that strange one i do have yeah. uncle larry and that's how he is <laughs> i swear yeah that's yeah. funny you mentioned yeah. uncle larry yeah. like that yeah we all have our weird uncles <laughs> That's probably what my nephew calls me, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, HBO Max Gossip Girl added Curb Your Enthusiasm's Megan Ferguson. You remember um Wendy from Curb Your Enthusiasm, Chachi? I know you're a big Curb fan. She was the one that got in that altercation with Larry David. Who didn't get an altercation with Larry David? But I think she kind of like choked on the scone in the elevator. Do you remember okay. that scene? Oh, oh yeah, she's the one that was trying to accuse them of like, right. of, 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 of like Me Too. Of the Me Too movement, right? Yeah. And like he didn't want to like um touch her when she was choking. To, like, exactly. So yeah, she kind of choked him with the yeah. Yeah. Like, Either touch her, give her the the Heimlich maneuver to save her from choking, <laughs> or you know risk getting you know Me Too. Oh look at yes. the kitty. Look at your look at your kitty. That kitty is beautiful. He wanted to oh, be yeah. in here with us. Hello, Thanks. kitty. Oh. Hey, hi. hey, hello. Hello, kitty, kitty, kitty. That's oh, I'll, cute. I want to kiss your kitty. Oh, God. Yeah, it's a cute, <laughs> cute cat. That is a cute cat. That's a cute cat. Um, so Paramount, I can't believe there's another <laughs> streaming service called Paramount. But <laughs> yes. Paramount Plus. Yeah, Paramount Plus. Mark Wahlberg has a new movie called Infinite. Um, and the trailer just dropped for that. It's a man who begins to see visions of places he's never been or people he's never met. Interesting. Only to realize that the visions are memories of his past lives. Really? That's kind of a cool concept, you know? With a funky bunch being in this movie? I Maybe some uh, iteration of the funky bunch, perhaps. Okay. okay. <laughs> That'd be kind of exciting, right? The funky nice. bunch? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like you know they're bitter right now nice why do you why do you say oh because they're like bro we all started off with, with uh, marky mark together oh and now he's okay. a big hollywood star and we're like working at ihop Ooh, have you have you watched the documentary is that what they're all doing is okay. working at ihop the funky bunch i don't know is there a documentary i don't know oh <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just i'm just assuming well, I think it's cool that his brother Donnie still embraces new kids on the block. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though he's, like, you know, uh, yeah, an actor as well, you know, he still embraces that, you well, know. That's because, that's because he makes the new kids money. Right. Like, they, like, I took my cousin to one of those concerts, like, a few years ago, and it was, it was like, packed. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, all those crappy um, films that are shows that are on Queeby, because Queeby, like, yeah, went belly yeah, up. Yeah. They're on Roku now, as we thank, mentioned before. Oh, thank God, all that quality content. But they actually have one success story 
from those Queeby shows, and it's Kevin Hart's series called Die Hard. Kind of a play on words on Die Hard. Uh, it's renewed for a second season. So <laughs> on the Roku channel, which is free and ad-supported. So these are like tiny little episodes, seven to nine minutes, uh, where Kevin Hart plays a fictionalized version of himself um, who's tired of being the comedic sidekick. Oh. So that's what you can check out there. Yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Rock would make fun of him being in like a little episode. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. They're always like to bust each other's balls. Yeah, yeah, the Rock yeah. and uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin They're Hart. great. They have great chemistry together. They're I kind of love seeing them together. I hope, I hope to see Kevin Hart show up as, in, as some character on Rock's um Young Rock, the TV show. That would be dope, but yeah. maybe it could be, be Coco Beware or something. I don't know. <laughs> Coco Beware. <laughs> I can't think of like it because he's too short to be like. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I, he can make him play Frankie. The bird. Maybe he can play the parrot. Yeah. yeah. The bird. <laughs> Coco beware of bird. Too soon? Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Bird, bird, bird. Bird, bird, bird. Zoe Extraordinary's playlist is not so extraordinary because it was canceled mm. after two seasons. Kind of had that glee concept, but just didn't really find the audience. Um, but. They're trying to shop at the Peacock or another network because Peacock is with NBC, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm really excited as a Game of Thrones fan, Mila Kark fan. She is Daenerys Targaryen. Um, she's actually foraying into comic books. She's going to write a three-part comic book called Mom, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's called The Mother of Madness. Isn't that what you're called, Jessica? The mother of madness. The mother <laughs> just, of madness. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, so Don't this will be on like Image. That. It will be on Image Comics, and she was talking about. Amelia Clark was saying how the comic cons have always been male dominated, um, which would either be um, the comic book artists, the writers. Um, she saw that the comic book was also mostly men, and she wanted to kind of bring her perspective. Of, uh, hired an all-female creative team for her comic book. Awesome. Uh, I think that's cool as a comic book. Yeah, I love that. Auto. I think that's kind of cool. Is she going to be naked in it? She's not going to be naked in it, no. I'm sad to say. But uh, okay. <laughs> but the premise is she's a single mom that needs to get shit done and shows that single mothers are superheroes. Oh. That's really cool. Yep. Um, so basically, um, the superpowers come... From a lot of what what happens with the mom, I guess it's. Uh, and where can we find this? Image Comics. It will be. Uh, you can find it on your uh, your local comic book shop uh, on Image Comics, um, okay. and it drops in July. Cool. Yeah. And speaking of Image Comics, Todd McFarlane had the number one comic. That was pre-ordered for Spawn's Universe number one. And Chachi, I know that we talked to uh, Todd, who was a real nice guy, yeah. at the New York Comic Con, which is an amazing event. Jessica, have you been to the New York Comic Con? I haven't, but okay. I was kind of a part of like a street team okay. Comic Con where we were like handing out some free oh, stuff cool. for it, like on the outside, but I never got in to go into the inside. I would love okay. to do that. Yeah, he was one of our... It was just a great interview. We talked to him very briefly about how his uh, Spawn comic book reached like issue number 300, which is groundbreaking. And now he's got a brand new book called Spawn's Universe. 
And it was actually the top selling first issue of the century. Wow. Over 200,000 copies was ordered for Spawn's Universe. And for comic book, that's pretty big for that kind of medium, you know? Oh, the century? Um, so for the last 100 years or this century? They call it the century. Yep. Hmm. Isn't that insane? Number one. Um, so that's pretty cool. So look out for that. Um, oh, I would love to go to this. The MTV VMAs will be back at the Barclays Center oh, yeah, in New York in horrible, person. Horrible show. Well, you know, I think the VMAs were great years back when before they got all political. Yeah. Um, but when they started throwing politics into it, it kind of took away from the music and the performances. Um, I was there when Miley Cyrus got crazy with Robin Thicke. In the Beetlejuice outfit, I was there for that. Oh yeah, yeah. So I kind of and I saw the reunion for N6. I think I was one of the the last. Yeah, that was yeah one of the non-political last VMAs. Yeah. You know, now they have the Fight the Power Award and all this stuff. Oh, Jesus. And, you know, just just awards that you know. <laughs> I mean, I know that we're we're living in a time when this is very important, but at the same time, do we need to take away from the music at the end of the day? You know. Um, yeah. MTV. I remember when you would never would play uh, Black Artists. MTV would never play back guard. What do you mean? Back in the day when they first Michael started. Michael Jackson. That's before Michael... that. Before that. They, before um, that, they didn't play any black artists? Yeah, they actually, um, I think it was um, um, the Goblin King. Um, um, what the fuck's his name? Um, the Goblin King. Yeah. That was his name. Um, that was the first. David Bowie. David Bowie. Oh, was, was actually, David was actually Bowie. one yes. that kind of like forced them to start playing black artists. Because like they don't, well, they don't only play rock, and I think one of the first ones they start playing was um I believe it was like Prince was one of the first ones. Prince and probably Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson was early on and too. Michael yeah. Jackson, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, just, we don't forget MTV. We don't forget about your racist past. Oh. You know, like, don't, yeah. Don't don't think we forgot anything here. Yeah, but I guess they're trying to make up for it now. I don't know. I mean, it's, maybe it's they're trying late. to. Too late. We, it's we, too late. Yeah, we, well, what we, about Chris Harrison? So this is a little bit of cancel culture news. Yeah. Chris Harrison from The Bachelor will not be returning to the franchise. He was with the TV show for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And and what so he why did. Do you think he's not returning because he offered too much money? No, no. I, I don't know if you know, Jessica. So he got in a little controversy. He defended one of the contestants from posing uh, for a photo, posing at an antebellum theme party, which apparently is like the Old South. And. A lot of people associate the Old South with Civil War times and slavery, and apparently that's frowned upon now. And Chris, all Chris did was make an observation. It's like it's not. It was. It was okay in 2018 or whenever she posed for the photo. Yeah. It's not okay in 2021. That's all he said. Yeah. Which is actually true because back then, now that we're in the no world, no one said anything. Era, right. No one said anything back then. Did all the time. Yeah. All he did was just say. It, it wasn't an issue then, but now it, it now is. Um, and kind of defending Rachel for that controversial photo, which wasn't was, really that controversial. It was, it was a Southern Bell party, and like a lot of Southern, Southern Bell, parties yeah. would do that. And like, and there was there was um, Southern Bells way after the Civil War, and there was plantations way after the Civil War. Right. Now, if they were if they were doing fucked up stuff like you know having uh, black people dressed up as slaves or whatever and trying to do that whole of aspect of that stuff but i mean if there is there, there is a lot of beauty down south you know that isn't negative 
you know. That's a very and, good and point. I've, I've, I've traveled down south a lot and seen a lot of beautiful um, places, you know, a lot of great um, landscaping, you know, like the trees, like the beautiful trees with like the moss coming down, like over the it's road and stuff. Southern, it's a southern theme, yeah. but apparently got that gets a negative rap. He lost his job over it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he hosted that show for 20 years. This is the final rose, you know? It's like, right, yeah. it's crazy. So now they're getting all these like guest hosts to do The Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, we mentioned David Spade's one of them. Titus Burgess, Lance Bass, and Little John will be like rotating for the the uh, Bachelor in Paradise show. Well, I, think he's, I think he's suing them, too. And he's, uh, and rightfully yeah. so. I mean, so he should. He probably should, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was also a producer in the show, too. He wasn't just the host. Right, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, and the guy apologized. So, you know, I guess they were trying to decide whether to bring him back or not, but they just decided just not to bring him back at all. In fact, they had two of the uh, former Bachelorettes host the current season of Bachelorette, which just uh, premiered last week. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of... Uh, you know, I thought it was one of those things that you can just apologize for because he was just saying it was an issue then and it's an issue now. That's all. It was an observation. Yeah. That's all it right, was, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, you can't have observations anymore. You know that. You can't like, observe you can't, anything. You can't anymore. think yeah. and kind of rational and think about something through. Yeah. In fact, actress actress Ellie Kemper had something very similar. She was at a debutante ball run by an organization in St. Louis that supposedly had like a racist past. And she actually had to apologize or just make a statement on her social media that she participated in that debutante ball that had that pass. She, she wasn't, wasn't like 20 years ago or 30 years ago or something crazy. She was 19 years old when it happened, right? Yeah, yeah. And she said she was not old enough to be aware of it. She wasn't aware of the history. Yeah. I don't think she's going to be canceled, but it's just, I mean, I don't know. I mean. It must be like parent- a perfect. Must be a lot of perfect people walking around um, 2021. Yeah, right. That, that's one of those cast judgment. Everybody else, something that happened. Yeah. Like, you know, well, even you know, people years who ago. don't like Chachi are getting canceled, like Chrissy yeah. Teigen. Right, exactly. For yeah. apparently old tweets that she was bullying Courtney Stodden, um, telling her that she should kill herself. Yeah, see, so no, apparently so. she's not going to come back for her comedy. Never have I ever. She's not coming yeah. back for that. And, you know, and that's and that's worse than somebody like dressing up in a Southern Belle outfit, you know, I think, you know, telling somebody, telling a real person to, the, you know, directly that to go kill themselves because, you know, people can do that, you know, right. like, and you'd feel horrible about it. You know, and I, I know she tweeted that a long time ago. Right. But, yeah. you know, I think in the grand scheme of people getting canceled, like that's exactly. one of the real bigger ones. I mean, like, like someone as a Southern Belle is not like going up against directly like any um, black person or anything like that. Um, yeah. As far as so any, was. So is the whole image of the Southern Bells uh, now tarnished, I guess you can't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it should be. Um, it, it shouldn't be, but it just, that's, I guess that's where they're going with it now. I mean, I mean, someone like Drake Bell. So he actually was uh, charged with endangering it, children. It, speaking of Bell. Yeah. Decem- yeah, speaking of Bell, disseminating right. matter harmful to Jews. Am I ring the, the go- I'm going to sleep Bell? <laughs> yeah. If anyone watched the big fight, Floyd Save Mayweather and Logan Paul, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Saved by, by the Bell, he said. Saved by the Bell. <laughs> All kind of Bell's going on. So there's no knockout, but Logan Paul managed to survive eight rounds. 
but it doesn't go on his record. It's not like fifty and one because apparently, like his brother, uh, Paul was saying how you know Logan beat Mayweather, but that was not the case. It wasn't a sanctioned fight. Oh, okay. So, um, so but you know it, it was cool to see him. I mean, they had that whole big weight disparage, you know. So it wasn't you can't have that as an official fight. But it was kind of cool because they're Logan Paul's a YouTube star turned boxer. You know, it's kind of a cool thing. Um. And of course, we always end tonight with rest in peace announcements. Clarence Williams the uh, third played Link Hayes on the Mod Squad and Prince's father in Purple Rain. Yes, passed yes. away at the age of 81. Yeah. Actress Erin O'Brien, um, not to be confused with our friend and colleague Erin O'Brien from What Death Leaves Behind. That's a different actress. This is a woman was 87 years old. Uh, she oh. she um, appeared in 77 Sunset Strip. Um, she had passed away. Um, and with Death We Celebrate Life, another member of the royal family is Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Welcome their baby girl. Name Lilibet Diana Mountbatten Windsor. Okay. What a, what a long name. <laughs> and of course, we end with happy birthday shout outs. Michael J. Fox, 60. Happy Marty birthday, McFly, Michael J. 60 Fox. today? Wow. He is 60 today. Wow. Happy birthday. Johnny Depp is 58. Wow. Wow. Um, Natalie Portman is 40. This is a great list so far. Yeah. Mae Whitman from Parenthood, Rest of Development, is 33. And Lucian Leviscount, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, is from Scream Queens, is 29 today. Well, you, you, you lost the streak there. With, uh, I lost the streak there. With good birthdays, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jackie Mason is 93. I missed that one. He's kind of like a legend. Oh, yeah. Legendary. Yeah, I need wow. today, so that concludes tonight's Below the Bell. So I told yes. you a minute, yes. So we'd like to thank, of course, um, the amazing panel that we had on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Well, of course, Chachi McFly, the king of the <laughs> 80s. But yes. well, what about the new blood? Of course, representing yes. Click on this TV, my second favorite Aussie next to Margot Robbie. He's always smiling. The lovely, the lovely Aussie, the lovely Aussie, Jessica Ray Taylor. Thanks for for being on Below the Belt Show. We'd love to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun, guys. You're you're a lot of fun. Can take all these jobs from Americans. (laughs) All the Aussies. All the Aussie actors. Somebody's got to take them, babe. Somebody's got to take them. Of course, the lovely and talented Amanda Michelle. Um, for joining us earlier and of course actress writer director Jacqueline Bethany make sure you check out it's available on demand under the lantern lit sky yeah. it's going to have its uh, premiere screening at the Brooklyn Film Festival of course Tribeca Film Festival uh, check it out for a couple of days Jessica Ray is going to be hanging out I'll be hanging out it should be a good time um, and uh, yeah I guess that's all we uh, have for Below the Belt show and I guess um Went uh, with a cool cut, um, and uh, for the cool cut, um, in memory of um, the actor who played Prince's father in Purple Rain. Uh, how about some Prince Purple Rain? Awesome, great. Yeah, job. right. For just a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> the close the night show, guys. Tremendous show from top to bottom. We'll see you guys next week. Yes, no, we're not. We'll see you, you in July. Next week. There's no next week. I am. I am on hiatus. We'll see you in I'm July. on hiatus. That's right. B2B on hiatus is on hiatus till July. 
We'll be back Maybe we can live. do an outdoor live or something. On we're actually, actually, Jessica, we're actually going to, we should do a little um, amendment because uh, a little addition for Tribeca um, kind of attached to the show would be kind of cool. But that's neither here nor there. I've already bought my dress. So. <laughs> you want to model it right now? Do I want to model it right now? Yeah, not yes. right now, honey. Okay, okay. Next time, next time. The, honey, this is not an OnlyFans situation. Oh, <laughs> okay. Lord. That's Ray's looking really, really, looking very, very gorgeous and yellow. Yes, yellow, yellow. Yeah, mellow, mellow. Well, very nice. So thank you so much, panel, for joining us here on BTB. We will see you guys. Gosh, am I taking three weeks off? I, I really am. We'll see. <laughs> yes, you are. We we'll see you next time for our midsummer midsummer finale break. But anyways, like summer, like summer hasn't really even started yet. But I know. Yeah. All right. Well, this I guess this is technically our spring finale. Okay. Yeah. This is our spring finale. finale. We'll see you in the finale. We'll see you in the finale. summer. We'll see you in the summer, guys. Until then, purple rain. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. All right. Well, actually, before we get to that classic cut. This is a special bonus segment of Below the Belt Show. Uh, we're joining you on Juneteenth. That's right. Uh, the celebration of Juneteenth uh, this weekend. I'm Al Soto, your host of the most. And welcome welcome back, the wonderful, the beautiful, the talented, Jessica Ray Taylor. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me, Al. Jessica, we had to have you back because we should talk about our Tribeca experience before Below the Belt show takes our little three-week hiatus, right? Absolutely. It makes sense, 100%. right? And we had such a wonderful time, Jess. I mean, um, I mean, you know, I was there for two of, of the days there, and I felt like I was immersed, no pun intended, because some of the uh, projects are called immersive. <laughs> I was immersed in the uh, everything that Tribeca has to offer. Got to check out um, a feature film. Got to check out some of the amazing panels and, of course, the really super cool virtual reality immersive um, stuff where you're like brought into a different world via virtual reality by use of the goggles and the devices that are kind of contained in. So we're just going to talk a little bit about everything going on with uh, Tribeca. Well, Tribeca is definitely one of my favorite um, film festivals. And, of course, it takes place in Tribeca in the Manhattan area of New York City. Um, and actually the festival awarded $165,000 in cash prizes. Um, and, uh, let's just go do a quick rundown of some of the top honors. So for film was the founders award for best U S narrative feature film was the novice best international narrative feature film was Brighton fourth best documentary feature was Ascension. And in the immersive category, the Storyscapes Award presented by AT&T was Felix Gatecki and uh, Gayatri Parameswaran. I probably uh, completely butchered that name, but forgive me. <laughs> uh, the best podcast goes to, uh, well, the nonfiction podcast goes to House of Pod and Wild Bird Trust, Guardians of the River. Podcast Fiction Award is James Kim and Brooke Iskra for Vermont Avenue. And for games, uh, goes to Norco from Geography of Robots, published by Raw Fury. So um, 
I guess let's just talk about some of uh, the awesome panels that we got a chance to uh, check out, Jessica. Um, actually, before you join me, I got to check out a panel which is so important called Reigniting NYC, the Future of Hospitality in a Resilient City. Um, as you know, New York has some of the most amazing restaurants in the world. I think you and I just probably attended probably one of the, the, the best restaurants in New York, in La Conda Verde, uh, while we were uh, attending Sundance, which is right in the heart of Tribeca. But this particular panel was really important because um, it was really all about rebuilding the community um, because restaurants, bars have been really financially hit due to the pandemic. Um, and it's really time to celebrate all the bars and restaurants that are in New York uh, and really all over the all over the country. Um, all the restaurants and bars really that have been uh, affected by the pandemic. Um so uh, it was a really cool panel. I mean, Coleman Domingo, you might know him from Fear the Walking Dead. He was recently in the um, Oscar-nominated film Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, starring the late, great Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Sophie Kelly was one of the panelists. She's the uh, senior vice president of Whiskies, and Paul, Paula Weinstein uh, was executive vice president in Tribeca Enterprises, and Matthew Meal. Uh, was the director of Turning Tables, Cooking, Serving, and Surviving the Global Pandemic. Great, a great panel. So it just uh, really talks about some of the important, um, just how important the restaurant industry is to New York City's economy. Um, and, um, and just the fact that everybody is really excited to get to these restaurants now that indoor dining is in a full capacity now in New York City, which is really important. And again, one of those most amazing restaurants, uh, Jess, was that, La Conda Verde. Can we talk about how awesome that meal was? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely one of those meals that I will always remember. I think the service was amazing. You walk in, the ambiance is is definitely there. It's uh, it's kind of like dimly lit. Uh, they have a beautiful kind of display, bottle display uh, for their alcohol, which is really nice. And the tables are, they're comfortable, I would say. Uh, the food was really exquisite, I think. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think that they had, it was just like flavorful food. They had really nice uh, sizes, like plate sizes, like not too large, not too small. Right, everything was pretty to get much, good balance. Yeah, I think that everything was pretty much the you know, the perfect amount, I would say. Yeah, um, so we, we ordered yeah. the burrata. The burrata was just amazing. Um, the, the, the flavor, the, the sauce that accompanied that burrata with some eggplant um, was just just amazing. Just the flavor, the flavors were just going all over the place. And um, that that in itself was a, uh, was a great, great way to start the meal. And then uh, the antipasti dish, I guess, uh, was the um, gnocchi, uh, which was really tasty. And then we finished it off with the entree with some scallops, um, and the scallops were, were awesome, were a nice size, and the flavor was good. But uh, I guess one of the highlights was really the desserts at La Conda Verde, because they had this amazing uh, – uh, well, one of my favorite desserts is panna cotta. And if you've never heard of panna cotta, I've, I learned about it through watching cooking shows, actually, because it's such an intricate uh, dish to make, because you kind of have to use like one of those – um, those freeze blasters to kind of mold it all together. And of course you have to flavor it appropriately, but that was really awesome. And of course, uh, uh, they had some kind of like berry, berry dish as well. Um, 
which is was which it is, a raspberry shortcake? Raspberry shortcake. Like yeah. Yes. So I don't know. I I for for uh, I might have to give the edge to the desserts. I think the desserts was kind of like wowing me <laughs> at the end of that. But uh, I think that yeah, the panna cotta for sure for me, like it stole the entire meal. Second to that, I would say the scallops were my favorite. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but I think all in all, everything in that we ordered was fantastic, including the, the cocktails as well. Uh, yeah, I was on a Absolutely. bourbon kick. Uh, so yeah, we had the whiskey cocktails. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, so whiskey <laughs> was pretty much the theme of the night, Jessica, because at the Tribeca Film Festival, they were sponsored by Bullet Bourbon, and they provided some amazing complimentary bourbon drinks, which were just I mean, you saw me, right? I mean, I definitely was. <laughs> yeah, you you had a you had a few before before I joined you there, yeah. but uh, yeah, they definitely yeah those those bartenders they were pretending like they knew you. <laughs> <laughs> they really knew it by the end of the day for sure. But uh, by the time you joined us, we were at the first panel. Um, oh, your first panel, but uh, uh, was uh, Tribeca Talks with uh, Jod. Abumrad and Jason Reitman. Um, yes, and you're so much better at names than me because I'm really bad at pronouncing <laughs> long names. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Jod Abumrad has been called the master of the radio craft for his unique ability to combine cutting-edge sound design, cinematic storytelling, and a personal approach to explaining complex topics. Some of his projects included Radio Lab, More Perfect, Dolly Parton's America. And uh, moderating that was Jason Reitman, and I'm really looking forward to Ghostbusters Afterlife. A lot of people were not happy with the reboot uh, with Kate McKinnon, Melissa McCarthy, and Leslie Jones. I thought it was pretty underwhelming myself. I mean, if you're going to bring back like the original Ghostbusters cast only to play like small cameo characters that are not even their actual characters, it's just pretty much a waste for me. I mean, I think I think that they totally went in the wrong direction for the recent Ghostbusters movie. But I talked to Jason Raymond at Tribeca. I was like, I'm really looking forward to thank you very much for, for uh, <laughs> bringing uh, this se- proper Ghostbusters sequel back. He's like, well, thank you. It's, you know, um, I'm really, I'm really hoping that's the case, you know, since it's, you know, this is not out yet. Don't know what to expect, but um you know, it was interesting because he, he didn't sound very confident in it almost. I'm like, he's almost like, oh, my God, are the critics going to bash my Ghostbusters movie? Yeah, um, no, I feel like he was just being very humble, you know, and okay. he doesn't know what the reaction's going to be like yet. So I feel like that was kind of his stance on, you know. That. Yep. Jason Reitman has some great credits. Thank you for smoking. Juno, Up in the Air, Young Adult Tully, and The Front Runner. I remember that movie Tully with Charlie Theron. That was a fantastic movie. Um, we also um, saw another really great panel with Shira Haas and Ali Wentworth. <laughs> we had some good laughs on this one, didn't we, Jessica? Um, uh, oh, actually... yes, we did. She is hilarious. <laughs> Can I say, like, I didn't even know who Allie Wentworth was until this evening. And then I went and just Googled her after that. I was like, yes. I have to start watching this woman because she's insane. Like, she was hysterical. Her, yeah, just her baffling away was just like, wow, I, whoa, you know, she was really... <laughs> Yeah, she was she was funny. She was really yep. really 
Yeah, so uh, Allie was a regular on the 80s sketch comedy, well, more 90s sketch comedy show called In Living Color with the Wayans Brothers and Jim Carrey. That's where they all got their start. Jimmy Fox, they all got their start there. And then she appeared on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, uh, Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel, um, and Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriend, Schmoopy, in one of the episodes of Seinfeld, uh, which is pretty, uh, pretty cool. And... Um, she moderated the uh, discussion with actress Shira Hans. Um, she was nominated for a Golden Globe and Emmy Award for a role in Unorthodox on Netflix. And you can see her upcoming in the series Lioness, produced by Barbara Streisand. And she will star uh, in the upcoming Asia, um, which was a 2020 Tribeca Film Festival winner. Um, I guess not um, the general public hasn't seen Asia yet. But that's going to be released soon. Of course, they did have their screening uh, at the 2020 Tribeca Festival, which was completely virtual. Um, but I am so uh, excited that um, the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival was a hybrid of in-person and virtual. Because, um, like I was saying, my last in-person experience was the Sundance Film Festival right before uh the 2020 pandemic happened so just to come back and just be amongst our industry colleagues in person and of course you know got to do the selfies and stuff like that because you know back in the pandemic days i mean people were still staying six feet apart you know that kind of thing so uh but it was it was great it was great to meet shira haas she was just um really sweet um she um you know she's a fantastic actress very great actress and you actually had some good um Good Q&A with uh, Shira, didn't you, Jessica? You want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I asked some questions. <laughs> you know, I definitely, one of my favorite questions to ask actors is always, uh, what, did, what were your challenges on set? Uh, this is kind of a question for me that goes back to when you're studying and the things that you have to deal with when, you know, when, when you're just starting out as an actor. So it's it's really nice for people that are still, you know, learning about the craft and also like learning about on set to hear about what these certain challenges are, even for professionals, you know what I mean? Because then it reminds you that like, we're all a human B there's always things that happen that's out of your control. And how are you going to deal with them when you're on set? And that's really how you grow and learn. So that's one of my favorite questions to ask, and I did ask it. I don't know if any of my questions were actually answered. <laughs> it was like, I, think, I think Allie made a joke that she didn't really, uh, really answer. Yeah, she was so, like, I don't think that either of us answered, answered any I mean, of your that, questions. <laughs> that's a logical question. I mean, that's a completely um, reasonable question because there are so many international actors and actresses that don't really make it into American Right, into the American industry. And one of the things that she did say was that, you know, that this film was not filmed in the U.S. mm -hmm. But in my head, I'm like, but this is an American cast that you're working with, an American director. So what was different for you? You know, what was challenging, you know, being a foreigner coming into filming with a bunch of, you know, uh, U.S. cast and especially like a U.S. director, there must have been days where they were using, you know, maybe terminology that you didn't understand or or just doing things that maybe you didn't understand or it's starting at the beginning instead of the end or something. I don't know. You you know, I don't know. 
But... Yeah, it's funny because Allie would, would, would make that comment. I don't think we answered your question, but it's funny because she would talk about how her and Shira are so alike, you know, that, that, that they've accomplished so much in Hollywood. They're around the same age. I started cracking up. I laughed out loud when Allie said that they're the same age, but clearly uh, they're not the same age. And then she goes to the, I don't know, I wasn't hacking her. I swear, Jess, I wasn't hacking her. And then she turns to me and she's like, okay, daddy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, it was, it was funny. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting going back to speaking of the, uh, the panel, because I did get a really good question with Jod and Jason was about monetizing a podcast. And they talked about the importance of maybe not necessarily the marketing and the advertising on its own, but, but having um, any kind of assistance with promoting your show based on who your guest is. So if you have a particular big name, you know, actor or, you know, musician or, or any high profile um, talent that you might have on your podcast or show, um, it's important to try to get that shared by their audience because if they have a broader audience, they have more followers than you. That's kind of the key. And that was great advice. I really took that, um, you know, I really think that's important. So, yeah. And I thought that was also a great question. Um, and that, yeah. was, that was definitely, that was the, that was the first talks that I was privy to watch. Um, so I thought that was really brave of you to get up and ask that type of question, like how, how can we build this as far as like marketing is concerned? Right. And you know what? It's, it's crazy when you, when you even told me, you know, that you've had, you know, famous directors and writers on your, on your podcast, but they haven't shared it. To right. me, that's a scene. Cause it's like, you like Absolutely. my podcast enough to be on it. Why wouldn't you share it? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you just uh, give it a little plug there and, it's kind of interesting because we, we have all these different ways that we can plug things. And I just like, I was on Instagram. When was I on Instagram? Like two days ago, just, you know, posting those red carpet pictures that we took. Because, yeah, you know, they're all great. We're all about the hype. We love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Jessica on the red carpet. Looking yeah, rubbish. we all like that. But the interesting thing was that I got a message from Instagram. It says branded content. And it asks me to tag someone that is my, um, I don't know, sponsor, let's say. And for me, I'm a sponsored artist here in the U.S. I don't know if you know that, but I am on an O1 artist visa. You know, I do have a management company that's attached to my visa. I am sponsored to be here. I can't put that tag on Instagram and I can't put it on Facebook either. Because it doesn't, if it doesn't, if the person or sponsor you're talking about doesn't have a social media tag, you can't, uh, you can't tag them. Yeah. Right? So, it's, so important. it's like this weird thing that you're like, okay, but I have a sponsor. I just can't, I'm just not allowed to tag it like on Facebook or Instagram. It doesn't let yeah. me, they don't, they don't necessarily have a handle. You yeah, you so gotta like, have that bridge. Yeah, because... so I'm like, how? Where's the bridge for the people that are? You know what I mean? Like, this is just this is just a pure example right. of not just being a foreigner here, but just like 
marketing and social media being, being letting us down because it doesn't allow us to tag who our sponsors are. Right. Like, just like it wouldn't, I don't know if it would allow you to tag, you know, let's say the below the belt show on your red carpet picture. Why wouldn't it? I don't know. I don't really know why. I mean, you could try to probably do it on Facebook, but it won't let you do it on Instagram. I know that for a fact. Right. Exactly. So how frustrating is that? And that's part of your marketing that you're, you know, that we're trying to accomplish here. It's like you mm-hmm. want to be able to tag these businesses so people can look at it, click on it and be like, OK, now I'm going to go to that page. Yep. It all ties into what John had said, too. Right. Obviously, you're not able to share uh if you don't have the proper uh means to share it um you know if if said uh director or writer doesn't have those means to do so so yeah or it kind of needs settings, to happen in both ways or the privacy settings on instagram aren't letting you do a certain yes. thing so for instance yes. my instagram is connected to my jessica ray entertainment page and once again it's connected so when i share a picture it goes straight onto my page so why then can't I tag it on the on my professional page, right. on my picture on Instagram? It doesn't allow me to do it. Yeah. So those are weird? very important things and details that you need when you are marketing um, your brand is to make sure the right. other end, the other side has it as well. Um, but uh, just another really cool thing that was a big feature of Tribeca was the immersive experiences. Um, and I got to check out a couple. Uh, one was the Lovebirds of the Tw- Twin Towers, which was an immersive experience telling the story of Carmen and Arturo, two elevator operators who fell in love um, during 9-11. Um, they actually shared their first kiss, fell in love, and they were ultimately saved by their coworkers at the Twin Towers and are talking about it. And it was such a really cool um, virtual film because it kind of – you kind of saw them um, as animated characters on the Twin Towers and, um, you know, seeing that perspective um, and just seeing, you know, because obviously the Twin Towers are gone. I mean, I, I know we do have our amazing tower in its place, but uh, the original Twin Towers uh, are both gone. But it was good to see that virtually uh, through this experience. So that was really touching. Uh, there was a really, really cool one called Inside Goliath. Really? as well question for you with that about that immersive experience how i mean was it all characterized or and also was it was it based on a true story this this story or based on a true story of two wow um, actual elevator operators that worked at the twin towers during 9-11 so um because wow wow shared that um, tragic moment together of, you know, the building, you know, being, you know, pretty much imploding from the, the planes hitting. Uh, and um, I guess it kind of maybe just heightened the experience of being together um, during that tragic time that they eventually fell in love and they're still together today. So it was kind of part like, documentary and it switched over to immersive where you're kind of like in the character's place in the twin towers um so it was i it was really cool it was really really cool wow yeah yeah this other one was really cool it's called inside goliath it's a a visually compelled 
compelling narrative of one man's experience with living with schizophrenia and psychosis. And it was a part arcade game because you kind of had to go through little challenges um, through the virtual world. And uh, in, the, in the beginning part of the film, you actually had to repeat your name and state your name, basically. And it would they would use that and, and, and convert your name into different voices towards the end. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, you're hearing voices. So I was hearing Al Soto, Al Soto, Albert Soto, Albert Soto, Al Soto, like all over the place. <laughs> it was pretty trippy to hear that. And um, the person handling the, the, the immersive um, booth for that particular display said, you're, the, you actually, you're one of the first people that actually laughed after hearing your name. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. I just thought it was just so trippy just to hear, like, my name yeah. with all these different voices. It was so cool. And last but not least, Jessica, I got to check out uh, another podcast panel. Um, there's actually a Siegfried and Roy panel. Both Siegfried and Roy have uh, passed away, but their legacy continues in this uh, podcast, which um, Siegfried and Roy are the most controversial uh, magicians in history. Um, and, um, of course they have a global fan base. Um, I think it's interesting that they have an award-winning podcast based on Siegfried and Roy and, you know, Siegfried and Roy aren't even a part of the podcast. Um, but, um, they talked about it. Um, it was really cool. Um, it's Emmy award-winning filmmaker, Stephen Leckhart, um, and, um, Will Malnati. He's, um... He produces the podcast, um, and he's also with Will Media. So that was really, really cool as well. Um, but uh, all in all, I just enjoyed New York City. It was great to see the city opening up, Jessica. It was it was awesome to see you and have yeah. such a great time. And We had some awesome scenery at, uh, at Elise's bar, right? El- is it Elisa's or Elsie? Oh, Elsie. I'm, I'm so bad rooftop. with names. I'm a bad name person. Yeah, wow. Elsie's yeah. I think whiskey was the theme at night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely. It's always a pleasure. Uh, it's so much fun, uh, Tribeca, and uh, and you you made it all the more uh, exciting for me. So I appreciate. Uh, oh, thank you. Well, thanks for inviting me, and I was so excited just to be there. You know, the hype was really cool. Uh, seeing those interviews take place, yep. that rooftop, you know, all of it, the sponsorship of the whiskey. I mean, there was, and then, you know, dinner was incredible, followed mm-hmm. by, you know, awesome rooftop bar with beautiful views of, of Manhattan. Yeah. Pretty incredible absolutely. evening. Yeah. It was, it was overall like an incredible time. It was really, really awesome. Absolutely. So thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. And the next day I got to check out Hudson Yards, which, uh, it's Manhattan's newest neighborhood. It was formerly a train yard, and they just built this this brand, pretty much brand spanking new uh, neighborhood right on the west, far west side of, of right. And it's highlighted by the vessel, which is this really cool winding architectural structure. It kind of looks like a spaceship when you when you see it in person. I know you've seen it. Yeah, and it's kind of bronze and cool. Yeah, it's, it's great. Super cool. And uh, where we had dinner, which was at Queen's Yard, was an English restaurant, which was fantastic. Um, they had something called The Edge, which is pretty much, I think, only right below the Empire State Building as far as, like, elevation um, in New York City. 
You can go to the top of this this building and just have an incredible view of New York. Sadly, it was raining, so the upper deck, which was uncovered, was was not available due to the rain and due to thunder and lightning. So um, the floor that was which covered, but you could still see the amazing view of, of Manhattan. Um, you can even see Jersey from you know from from that view as well. Oh, awesome. uh, was definitely a highlight for me, and one of the best drinks I had was at that Edge. Um, restaurant it's called peak uh so i highly recommend the the drinks the bartender was awesome and uh all in all very very cool uh, new york experience and uh can't wait to head back to the big city and of course hang out with jessica again but um and this is pretty much it below the belt show we'll be taking um a three-week hiatus of course i'm glad you enjoyed this broadcast just a little bonus just to add uh for our tribeca experience Um, but before uh, before you go, I really got to say something really quick about Loki episode two. Remember last week uh, on last week's show, which is pretty much of a podcast you're listening to, there was a second Loki that Loki had to apprehend. It ended up being a female Loki called Lady Loki. Uh, they haven't revealed her name yet, but she comes straight from the comic books. And um, Lady Loki is going to be the female antagonist. And uh, surprisingly so, Loki is now the protagonist. Now he's now working with the TVA, which is kind of cool seeing Loki kind of, you know, intervene as as the the protagonist now, which is crazy because he's always been the antagonist in all the Marvel movies. And Lady Loki is played by Sofia DiMartino. And, um, of course, comes with spoiler territory. But, yes, towards the end of the episode, you will get uh, introduced to... Uh, Lady Loki, which was uh, <laughs> definitely a highlight. Uh, as we're getting now Loki episodes on Disney Plus on Wednesdays, they decided that um, they wanted to change um, the release day to Wednesday now, as opposed to previously Friday. We had to wait kind of to the end of the week. I think it's because mostly because the world is starting to open up. People might not be home on Fridays now, so they're starting to drop that back on uh uh, new episodes on on uh, Wednesday now, so I think that's a great thing. Um, and uh, last but not least, uh, a little bit of controversy with the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO Max. They had to uh, allegedly remove um, a scene where Batman is going down on Catwoman, <laughs> and it's crazy because uh, Harley Quinn is noted as the adult um dc animated series that adults can enjoy it's definitely not for kids i love it i mean there's f-bombs everywhere a lot of uh crazy um colorful language and um adult situations but apparently heroes can't go down on other heroes supposedly is what (laughs) someone said and uh uh, you know, if they haven't seen The Boys, they clearly uh, are inaccurate on that statement, I'd say, because The Boys is all about that kind of craziness, because heroes kind of have to uh, enjoy themselves as well, you know? <laughs> so I thought it was funny the that boys they... Act- is, uh, the Boys is freaking awesome. I love The Boys. Exactly. And that's why I think maybe they should have considered just not touching that scene you know, no pun intended, um, because, <laughs> because Batman can go downtown, whether it's Gotham City or if it's down on Catwoman. But that's all I have to add. Just leaving you that little t- tidbit because it was kind of on my mind uh, 
uh, as uh, as we are uh, again take a little bit of break uh, here on Below the Belt show, and that is all for today. Um, thank you so much. So I know that we promised you the classic cut. So here's the classic cut as promised you guys, and I'm Al Soto along with Jessica Ray Taylor. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this Thank bonus. you. Thank you for having me, guys. It was bonus. so nice to be here. And, uh, yes. yeah, it was such a great experience, Tribeca. I loved all of it. And yes. uh, thank you so much for having me on on the Below the Belt show. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. All right. We will see you guys in July. I know it's a long time, but it will be worth the wait, guys. We're going to come back with an amazing show for you guys. And we will talk to you guys then. This is our spring season finale. Here's the cool cut, closing cut, classic cut, whatever you want to call it to close the show. We'll talk to you guys on Ju- on July 7th. Until then. July 7th. Peace. Bye. I Well, it has been a ill show tonight and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying. Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye goodbye, 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 goodbye.